0: And welcome to episode 188 of The Crate and Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston, and tonight I'm joined by Tom Senior. Hello. And Tom Francis. Hello. It's a two-Tom special it's on this, the 9th of May, the date that I forgot to say, <laughs> at the start of the podcast. News this week is, it's all relatively quiet for news, as people, as, as the, the big announcements are, are saved up for E3, but Risk of Rain 2 was announced this week?
1: Yeah, this was, it seemed almost low-key, the announcement. The the gist of it was... um. They just kind of updated their dev blog and said, uh, you know, they've been like sitting on this for six months. They've been working on it for six months and, uh, haven't announced it until now. And, uh, it's 3D. <laughs> they just went full 3D. So Risk of Rain was a side-on, um, roguelike where, uh, every class you can play as is radically different. Like all of their abilities are fundamentally different to all of the other one, all the other classes. Um, and, You play on these weirdly not randomly generated levels, but they sort of look like randomly generated levels. I think maybe some elements of them are switched around, but um, mostly hand built. And uh, the monsters are just in enormous hordes, and they keep coming, and some of them are like skyscraper tall, and you'll get like 10 of those. (laughs) And uh, it's about kind of managing those and figuring out the most efficient way to deal damage to them. Um, And they've just gone full 3D for the sequel. So it's surprising how well the art style kind of carries across. They've done a good job of like capturing that in 3d even mm. though it was a very it was a pixel art art style and they're not doing like voxel art <laughs> 3d um but it has a kind of uh quite flat shaded look um i don't really know how uh i don't think you could just make the same game but in 3d i think a lot of the way risk of rain worked was was tied to the 2dness like the thing i really enjoyed about it was it had you know there's basic attacks that just like fire projectiles or whatever but i loved finding ways to affect like as many enemies as possible with yeah. my attacks so i play as the mutant uh slime creature who's like um one of his abilities was just to leave a trail of of slime behind him and so if you have enemies could just clip through each other in risk of rain so you could have just a vast horde all clumped up in one tiny location and if you walk through that with your acid slime then they're just all be taking all of that damage and you like that, that feeling of knowing you were doing you know, like the total damage you were doing to that many enemies was just insane that was
2: the, the fun of it for me the, so it's is unacceptable for enemies to be that stupid in a three-dimensional environment
1: i think they can be stupid but i don't think they can clip through each other or i think that would look weirder because in 2d you're sort of you're not really thinking about it but you can sort of imagine they're on different depth levels sure. right yeah. three D, your attacks think, affect all of them yeah somehow you are <laughs> infinitely wide <laughs> <laughs> an infinitely wide creature and they're not um yeah so that was like a uh a sort of a fudge that worked and they can't really do that in 3d so i mean if they you could still make a game about being really efficient about dealing damage to clumps of enemies yeah. um but maybe, maybe that's not what they thought their game was about maybe I, that's only what i got from it
0: <laughs> i to the 3d that is serious sam pretty much mm. like running around a big arena yeah that's true. towards of enemies doing damage in the most efficient way that's what people remember about serious sam efficiency <laughs> <laughs>
2: The middle manager of FPSs. Indeed. Remember, there's an interesting. uh, I can't remember precisely how it works, but there was an interesting progression system from kind of level to level. It had a.
1: Yeah, there was. um, uh, The difficulty scaled up over time, not levels. So if you took a long time on the first level, it would get as hard as it's going to get on the first level. Um, You didn't have to go to another level to meet the the harder challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, there wasn't really any motivation to like scour the level there's also when you got to the end of a level you sort of chose to trigger like a countdown thing and so it it didn't let you out right away you had to sort of hold out for i think like 30 seconds or something and enemies would pour in at at an accelerated rate um and only then could you progress
2: does anyone remember why it was called risk of rain (laughs) There was, um I think some spaceship had broken up
1: and all the stuff was like raining down on the planet and mm-hmm. that's where the that, way it was set. Like there were lots of things that um, fallen down. I remember I did complete it and there's something about like the last level is on the spaceship or something. I don't know if that made the title any more relevant, but I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think you can though, you know, you've named games, pretty literal things that are in that game.
1: Yeah, I guess like, you can point a gun at gunpoint. The, really it, was,
0: you, well, well, it was the mechanic for a while, right? Like, yeah. Very early on. Then, no.
1: <laughs> then,
0: no. <laughs> Maybe when they first conceived Risk of Rain, it was a game about whether or not it was going to rain. <laughs> and then after a while, it became a game about linking devices in a building. <laughs> <laughs> and the name Risk of Rain just stuck by that point. So There's no point changing
1: it. Uh, it almost works as a better name for Rain World. Mm. But Rain World's a perfectly good name for that as well but that sounds like a game where it's really fucking risky to be out in the rain <laughs> actually
0: that's so about that, when this was announced i thought that was what people were talking about I completely <laughs> even though i played risk of rain i completely forgotten hmm. that it had existed and it's like rain well too that's an interesting time to announce that then the first one took long enough and it didn't just come out uh but that's not what happened this is a story about me being
2: wrong <laughs> risk of rain 2 does sound like a you know slightly wetter British summer than usual, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like you know, it doesn't imply hordes of enemies and yeah. guns and uh, you know.
1: risk of rain too. Increased chance of rain.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's an old joke, but it is prime candidate for two risk, two rain. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, you know that that fits perfectly in this particular context.
1: And also, like risk of rain, Tokyo Drift, but like Tokyo aquaplaning <laughs> nice. because of all the water on the road. <laughs>
0: Tokyo forty
2: two, two Tokyo
3: drift. If <laughs> <laughs> you like water, Tokyo <laughs> forty two. <laughs> For fuck's
2: sake! If you like drifting through water, though, it seems like the new Assassin's Creed allegedly might uh, serve you well. What drifting? Uh, well, it's pretty much how their boats worked. <laughs> your, just it's on is, the sea. That is a. A stretch. Slam into a, <laughs> slam into a hard corner around an island. Air Assassinate an ocelot. <laughs> Basically the same. Uh, but there is going to be more Assassin's Creed. It seems. Uh, well, obviously there was always going to be more Assassin's Creed. But um, there's an image that has leaked that's been, you know, seen mostly confirmed to be correct, which uh, converts confers both an Egyptian setting, perhaps, and also boats, more certainly, mm. and a title. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins,
0: which is the uh, worst. <sighs> That is the actual worst that they've, after, are they, will they be the first series to complete subtitle bingo? <laughs> <laughs> like, they've had Revelations. Oh, God, yeah. They've had, so hang on, Brotherhood, no, Brotherhood's not that common. <clears throat> Revelations. If they do explains. Rising after this, then. Yeah. They've
1: got
0: it. Um Well, Rise was the subtitle for Assassin's Creed 3. That's oh, true. God. Yeah. So they're already mostly the way there. They had Unity, but that was just weird because it made it sound like. It was made in Unity. It was made in Unity. Mm syndicate which is just the name of a different game
1: unreal <laughs>
0: <laughs> speed tree <laughs> um, but yeah so Assassin's creed origins um
1: and it probably won't be released on ea's origin service
0: <laughs> no it'll be on UPlay's plays ubisoft's U play service <laughs> so you know paving the way for they, i don't know battlefront 3 UPlay.
1: play i think the last i heard was that they sort of announced there are not going to do annual iterations for then or like the next one is not going to be next year because we're going to take a break and rethink the series and try yeah. and make it like meaningfully different um and then they called it origins <laughs> <laughs> i mean it wasn't the first one origins i mean called origins, it, it, it wasn't was about, the
0: original game yeah
1: i mean wasn't it kind of about like the start of the
0: no not really they've been around for a while by then because the, the original the first one was set in the crusades so if this is ancient egypt then that's going to be comfortable oh, yeah. 2,000 years before the first one. But the bigger question is, does anyone care?
1: <laughs> I could not, like, could not possibly need more backstory. of that. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: That would be the logical backstory for a lot of the stuff in the. I mean, specifically, Jesus Christ would be the, the logical
1: <laughs> the nexus point for a lot of the Assassin's Creed lore. I think I can't really fault them for whatever they do because fundamentally the thing i want from those just not assassin's creed Mm. like the thing i want them to do is just strip out all the future stuff and just make a a purely historical game Hmm. um not about history particularly but just set in historical places and make it entirely about that setting and not mix it in with this bullshit (laughs) yeah (laughs) conspiracy future time traveling
2: memory dna shit but But, that's obviously not assassin's creed i'd love a, a proper combat system which the game has never had. <laughs> it's never had a good combat system ever. And it's all been about killing and, you know, stabbing people. And that element of the game has always been really the worst part. Um And occasionally it would kind of, seriously, it's always meandered and adhered to, the, you know, its t- templates, especially in its mission design. Uh, but it's never actually been systemically that interesting beyond the first game, which was, One of the very, very early proper open city games, really, Mm. to Mm. actually make traversing open cities feel exciting and viable, you know, authentic. And and that the novelty of that made it special, but that faded very quickly as soon as, you know, loads of other games caught up with it and made better games around that idea. Mm. I would say that the second game
0: had not systemic chops, but it had interesting, you know, things you could do. It was fun to try and win a combat encounter without a weapon in your hands mm. by disarming the first guy mm. who had to attack you, taking his sword, and using it to kill somebody else. That's true. It wasn't like the combat itself was interesting, but like you could, you could choreograph a kind of a cool
2: moment. It was a game that allowed you to stand on the rooftops of Italy and throw broadswords at people. Yeah, I mean that that was my preferred way of playing it, and you know, <laughs> that was a, a playstyle I was able to adopt, and I'd I love that game forever for so just let me do that, even though it's. Was- stupid uh i really liked brotherhood actually that was the peak of the series for me um because i was so much assassin's creed is about this historical setting and rome was just so exciting to me and the idea that i could rebuild rome even though it was attached to a fairly tedious resource gathering game um still was exciting and i loved building up my brotherhood of assassins who would just pop out of uh hay carts magically to stab (laughs) people when i pressed Y. made an eagle noise (laughs) that's brilliant
0: yeah i mean the series still has, I think the series still has potential, but for me it'll always be associated with that glut of open world games as well, mm. which I don't necessarily like. I don't want the big box of every experiences that has a million different things to do in it. i quite like one really well, mm. well, well-crafted thing.
1: It is kind of interesting how that formula that was sort of maybe not started by Assassin's Creed, but kind of popularized by it, became... You know, it's a running joke now that, like, uh, even outside of Ubisoft's own games, other games will be accused of having the Ubisoft open world thing of yeah. all these icons on the map. And it's, I mean, people are fatigued with it, but it, I also think a lot of that stuff came about through iteration on what was working and what people liked. And for everyone who's fatigued with it, there's probably a hundred people who love that stuff. Or if they don't love it all, they love one particular thing. Like, for all the people who, who don't want that much on the map being told about, um, there's... You know, some people who just really want collectibles and they really want to know where those are, and then there's some people who really want. Like, I personally love side, not, not side missions, but like sort of almost generated missions, like template missions. Mm. Like Assassin's Creed Two did this, where um, uh, you know, just someone uh, a thief runs past, and you have the opportunity to chase them down and and um, get the money back, and it's basically purely systemic. Like that's just. It's spawned at a random place, and he's going to a random place, and he'll just figure out with AI how to get there. I think <laughs> maybe there's just loads of preset ones. I don't know. Um, and I love that because it felt organic and natural. And probably loads of people didn't give a shit about those things and wanted, you know, actual side quests with story. And so they are open world games have, have become the games that are trying to be all things to all people. And um, it's remarkable how successful they've got at <laughs> it. Like, yeah. uh,
2: I still wish that you know a lot of the cool things about the series, like free running and stuff. Ended up feeling really janky, and I think part of that was just games got way better at doing that stuff around hmm. the series, um, and also it just seemed like they they stuck to the same sort of climbing systems throughout the entire series, and they, yeah. they couldn't really fix a lot of the yeah. problems with it. Um, so the idea of a reboot where they could actually rebuild those systems from scratch is actually quite exciting because I would put a, put up with a lot of future bullshit if they had a, f- a fluid free running system that let me <laughs> run over Egypt, and uh, that would feel great. So their settings have always been really strong, I think. Like, yeah, the environmental design's always been amazing. It always feels yeah. like anything that can
0: be produced to a high standard by like the biggest workforce you've ever seen, <laughs> those games have always been really good. at. That's uh, true for Ubisoft generally. Yeah. Like I thought Ghost Recon Wildlands was garbage, but its environments were gorgeous because its mm-hmm. environments are what you get if you invest loads of resources and huge skilled art departments on just make a huge map and yeah. it doesn't make the game any better, but you know, they can do that. But I feel like that sort of school of kind of like distributed really heavily templated design has worn extremely thin now um particularly when unless the ways we interact with it are really novel or like far cry the sort of the basic each you know unit of, of game each outpost is in itself satisfying to to play through i would rather things not be not be templated and not be sort of you know generated missions but you know a structured I'd, basically, I'd rather now play the Assassin's Creed, which is just the six best assassination bits hmm. from what would otherwise be like a 40-hour open world hmm. thing. Speaking of Far Cry, weren't there rumors of a any Far Cry or is that an untrue thing?
1: Yes, <laughs> <So it's laughs> there were rumors. rumors? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows if they're true, uh, that, that it would be in the Wild West. Hmm. And that was semi-backed up by the fact that a long time ago there was a survey on, like, where would you like the next Far Cry game to be? And one of those options was the Wild West.
2: That's a great setting for Far Cry.
1: Yeah, I I, I'm very interested to see that. Um, I guess it would inevitably uh, bring Red Dead Redemption to mind mm. um, in terms of that was an open-world game in the Wild West. Um, and feels like you've got all the tools there. I mean i'm a bit spoiled by far cry primal because i think for me that's just the perfect far cry game <laughs> and i just mm-hmm. i don't uh, i don't want guns back <laughs> on the stay uh I, I mean i guess it doesn't matter whether they add it or not um because i would always just use a bow and a knife and i'm sure they're always going to give me those things a bow and a knife and rocks
0: <laughs> and a magic owl uh,
1: i didn't use the magic owl in far cry primal i was against the magic owl <laughs> <laughs>
0: Big on bows, tough on
1: owls. <laughs> that's, the, that's the platform I ran on and that's <laughs> what I'm going to stick to. Um,
0: yeah, I'd be into this. It feel, I feel like there's a, if this is true and obviously this is one of those and if it's true things, um given that Red Dead Redemption 2 is on the horizon mm. and given that like, I don't know, at least high concept TV has just had a bit of a, a run of, of Western mm. things, Westworld just finished, that kind of thing. I wonder if by 2018 we're going to be or even this year
2: when he three rolls around. Inundated. Yeah, it's going to be the year of the cowboy. I wonder if that's where we're going. That's my mm. early prediction. For... It's a time though that that happened. I mean, it's, it's always felt like a bit of an underplayed.
0: Uh, I don't know. There's stuff should... like, um, Call of Juarez. That was a cowboy we, game. I don't I mean just naming one there. cowboy Occasionally, game. Occasionally,
2: like there was Gun, there was the Juarez series and, uh, there was Red Dead. And beyond that, i just really struggled to pick out any proper. I think Red Dead
0: was so good that I didn't, I didn't realize <laughs> that there it. weren't any other cowboy games. Yeah.
2: What was the, the really old LucasArts one?
1: Outlaws? No. No, I'm not sure. Um, like a sort of, I think it was the build engine, like mm. that kind of era. Oh yeah.
2: Mm. Oh yeah. Yes. I think it was Outlaws. So between those five games, it could constitute <laughs> a genre over the period of 30
1: years. And, and, I just remember there was a period of like six years or something where that was the game. Where everyone was like, why aren't there more Wild West
3: games? Yeah. That one was great.
2: So we could we could be about to you know head right into the the Wild West epoch. Yeah, I, I, I that's that's my prediction. And actually, um,
0: the Wild West is is perfect video game terrain, really, mm. because you know westerns are about um functionally all westerns are about people ha- tr- tr- the the struggles people face maintaining their own codes of conduct in a lawless world. That's basically the thing that makes something a western apart from cowboys and and revolvers and and stuff. And that is basically the thing that all video games are about. <laughs> Even if they don't want to be, they're all about people who have to choose to adhere to a code of content. or not at all. So, I mean, that Red Dead did that well, but I think, you know, I'd be, I'd be excited to see more games take on that territory because it's a good fit for different types of games as well. It's a good fit for an open world
2: game. It's equally a good fit for a, mm.
0: a narrative game. It's very good and fit on. For
2: Far Cry. It kind of solves a lot of the awkwardness of uh, like Far Cry 3 mm. and 4 where like the, Just having like loads of different bandit gangs who believe different things and then, you know, business lords you know uh business lords, business lords. what am i saying uh, <laughs> vision um, of the business you know, the money kings <laughs> the money kings <laughs> they ride on the steel um, horse the giant robots the money uh, king i'm just thinking of um will smith in the wild wild west that's <laughs> yeah, what i think. Exactly. Uh, giant mechanical spiders you know as they were
1: um <laughs> the chief business lord of
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know once upon a time in the west jim west desperado <laughs> giant spider uh yeah that's a that's a, i mean to be honest that's not a terrible example of how that whole period of history has been so fictionalized in so many absurd ways that you can Mm. return to it in a video game and not hopefully cause too much cultural insensitivity in the same way that Far Cry 3 and 4 accidentally did a little bit.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, indeed. Although I will say this, I guarantee you, now while I'm, while I'm having this prediction, right? So I'm going to predict the year of the cowboy. I'm also going to say that when Far Cry Cowboys, um, arrives, We are going to be having a conversation about their ill-advised, culturally insensitive P.O.T. <laughs> sequence no. that will inevitably be <laughs> in that game. I, gar- I guarantee it. It's, it's, it's an, there is no way they're going to avoid that because it is a, an obstacle directly in their track. And they love going, their drug sequences. They love their drug sequences. Mm. They love their, you are a outsider hanging out with an indigenous peoples of some kind yeah, taking their local drugs and going on spirit journeys thing mm. yep. yeah yeah if they do cowboy far cry there is no there is no way they're dodging that
1: <laughs> even though they definitely definitely should even though they that. definitely
2: <laughs> yeah it's not i can so yeah no you train
1: wreck going. we can see a mile coming yeah, exactly
2: i tried but, everything i said there are so many cultural incentives they do. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah oh uh, yeah like and- i mean it's it's, <laughs> <expensive>. <laughs> it's absolutely loaded with the
0: yeah <laughs> but, hmm I mean, maybe, maybe it's so obvious that they'd fuck that up that they won't fuck it up.
2: Surely, (laughs) I I wouldn't put faith in that. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm really excited about Red Dead, though. Me too. Terribly excited. Um, What is not announced?
1: Remind me of the latest on that. Is the original still never came to PC? Right? No, that's right. And the second one is going to come to PC?
2: No, they are not said it. it. No. I but think we, maybe if you're looking at the pattern of GTA 5 you, you might hope that that would happen PC. I think it would be
1: mad if it didn't given how
0: huge GTA Online on PC was yeah, for them. Sure. Sure. like um, you know it might be another thing if it comes out 18 months later but that said this is not going to have been shackled to a console generation massively uh, massively behind the PC you know this will be a modern console game which is not a million miles off I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't on multiple platforms to be honest hmm. Um you know it's not like rockstar doing anything else that they would be bringing out on pc right like to this or they just don't release a game on steam which would be Hmm. strange i think even for them
3: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: i I, i'm very hopeful i would i almost expect it to be honest (laughs) i think there'll be a delay but i I personally think it will happen
1: yeah it must be a huge i mean uh, all the arguments i can say for why they would obviously do it are arguments that also would have applied to um red dead (laughs) one as well i suspect red dead one might have been a different
0: case because by all accounts its development was quite fraught Uh, um you know it was one of those games that had to be there's been multiple interesting gamma suture articles written about (laughs) what it took to get that game out the door and the kind of development hell it went through so maybe Mm. maybe there's some technology reason why the work was never done to create a, a windows version of it
2: um i would suspect whereas with gta i think there was it was more straightforward. Rockstar I brought almost every game they've ever made. I mean, apart from Red Dead and maybe Table Tennis. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's only two. Almost anything, everything else comes to PC. So, hopefully. I think
0: it's but cool. yeah, it's very exciting. Because, I mean, Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption is still my favourite Rockstar game by mm. a mile. Like, I, I think it's so much better than any of the recent GTA. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, For sure. Yeah, it could, because I think it doesn't try and be um, kind of sort of acerbic in the way that GTA is been acerbic which just doesn't work anymore for me whereas Mm. red dead has genuine heart i kind of hope it stays like that like i hope it's still a relatively serious story Mm. that allows you to be silly if you want but is trying to be a serious western because that really suited the first game and
2: i'm really excited about the prospect of an online version of that world where i can Mm. like saddle up with some friends and go and kind of raid some bandits or something as a as a troop yeah, and uh, rob the money lords. <laughs> rob the money lords. Rob the money lords, as you do in the Wild West. Yeah, and like. giant metal spiders. Yeah, absolutely, take yeah. them all down. Let's sue them.
0: Cool. So, in terms of what we've been playing, I suspect this is going to be one big what we've been playing actually, <laughs> because we've all been playing the same game, and it's pretty easy to guess what we've been playing because we've all been playing Prey. Yep. Which came out. We talked about it on the pod last week. Well, you and Alex talked about it based on your experience of the demo um we've all played a lot more of it now the game is actually out obviously we're not going to do any spoilers in this section partly because i think we're all at different stages of it yeah um but also um this feels like it feels like um prime material for a spoiler cast at some point a bit like we did with dishonored because
1: yeah i think i'm close to the point that i could do a spoiler cast but not (laughs) there yet
0: yeah it's also one of those games that that given given that it is like system shock and bioshock it has a style of storytelling which is big on slow burns and then big reveals Mm. and you go over these sort of thresholds and your understanding of what's going on that it'd be easy to solve
2: people that's good to hear because i'm I'm like four and a half five hours in and i was wondering where whether it had that capacity yeah i'm glad it's it's got some
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Space business. The space business going on in space. Excellent. (laughs) Um, So it's been interesting because it's been interesting watching the reaction in our little private chat where we talk about games because I really, really like it, and I still, I think, still really like it. But I think everyone that game evolves a lot over the course of your time with it. Yeah, and like I didn't cool on it. I, I cooled on it to the point where I think it's still an excellent game. But it'll be, it'll be I'll be interested to hear what your kind of journey with it has been, and where those kind of rough edges have started sneaking. Because I've seen this in a lot of different people's impressions of it. Um, the yeah, way it, the way it, the game it turns out to be is quite different from the game it starts as.
1: Yeah, my first like ten hours with it were um, just fantastic, and uh, I was. Um, completely in love with it i was a, i'm a huge system shock 2 fan and it is incredibly faithful to system shock 2 yeah. it, it sort of uh models itself after that game shamelessly and uh, religiously um and my thought like during those first 10 hours was like not only is this amazingly faithful to system shock 2 and like uh, in sort of updated way uh but i think it might be better than system shock 2 like it's just sort of fixes a bunch of things that were wrong with system shock 2 and in particular the thing i really love about it that system shock 2 almost had and bioshock didn't really have um is that this place this space station is um you can go everywhere in it and you can also go around it from the outside and you just have access to all of it it's just all there and there's nothing hidden from you and it feels extremely ungamey in that way i'm so used to the game world being like oh we're suggesting it's a city under the sea but you're going to go through these levels right and it, they form a kind of sneaky yeah. path through the whole thing and that's the part you're allowed to play in, and everything else will imply it's there but you don't get to go to it this really is I, I don't think there's any part of the station you can't go to and you can fly around it and just look at it and just see where everything is and it's yeah, all just that. completely cohesive and interconnected and uh, you get the whole thing Um and that's also backed up by and sort of reinforced by one of my favorite features which i um uh which i don't think i've seen done in a game like this before where every human on the station is named and there is a list of them on the security terminal and not only can you see all their names but you can also just click on one and say where's this guy and it will just point give them a quest marker to where that person is even if they're dead (laughs) yeah especially if they're dead (laughs) (laughs) which most of them are um actually uh they are tracking bracelets that you're tracking. So sometimes you find the tracking bracelet and uh, not course. the body, but I think I'm pretty sure the body is always there. Like mm. there's always, um, and it might not even be technically on the station. <laughs> um, but that, even though I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to hunt down every single one of them because there's fucking hundreds of them. <laughs> uh, the fact that they, it's telling me they're all there and I believe it, um, just adds so much to this place. I really feel like it's so kind of, um, uh, authentic, I think there's another word for it, like, is verisimilitude the word I'm looking for? Like, there's yeah. kind of the one-to-one yeah. relationship between what it's saying it is and what it really is. Like, the simulation matches the fantasy. I think that's
0: my impression of its early hours as well. And let's be honest, it keeps this up. There's an astonishing attention to detail in the way that world is built and the way it's simulated. And those two things are kind of linked to each other. Yeah. Like, um, it's... I think one of the reasons maybe, you know, not to skip ahead too much, when it starts to not quite stick to its own logic a little bit, it stands out more... Even though it's probably, even in its worst moments, being less gamey than most games. Because at at its best, you don't, in Prey, you don't necessarily, like, have to engage game logic to solve problems. You, you can trust that it is, it is, it is, its attention to detail is sufficient that if you think you can do something, that will probably work. Like, for example, you get told, oh, you know, you read an email that says this guy stole something and he's gone missing. And then if you choose of your own initiative to go and find a security terminal and look for his name and his tracking bracelet, you can find out where he is. And that's right. And the game, the game, you know, it gives you the information on multiple levels. Like if you, if you follow the kind of rigid quest steps, it will tell you explicitly go and do this. But if you just Mm -hmm. go and do it on your own bat, that will happen.
1: Yeah, exactly that. Where like that was sort of the defining arc of my experience. So I played the demo, which is, um, they call it the first hour, although I spent like probably an hour and a half on my first playthrough and then like two and a half hours on my next playthrough of it. And then I got the full game and I played that same area and spent about five hours <laughs> on um, not the exact same stuff. Because in the demo, uh, it's like there's uh it's kind of split into areas where there is like a loading screen between them. Uh, but each of those areas is usually a hub with loads of stuff to do and loads of individual sections and and um bits of the ship. And in the demo, there's the first two of them. And But once you leave the first one, in the demo you're not allowed to go back, but in the full game you are. It's just an artificial demo restriction just to make sure you can't... Hmm. to prevent you from getting to some stuff there. And in those first two sections, I just spent five hours going back and forth between them because uh, uh, it's... I've heard the word Metroidvania, Metroidvania used in reference to it. It's not really like that in, in most ways. It's not about gating you by, oh, you don't have this ability, so you can't do this. Because I actually don't like that. Uh, that's one of the reasons I don't really get on with Metroidvanias usually. This is much more like... Um, you don't have the key card to this place. It's logical that you wouldn't have the key card to this place. The key card exists somewhere. If you ever find it, you'll be like, oh shit, I should go back there and, and check that out. Um, and sometimes you don't have the key card to this place, but you see another way in. And uh, I just kept finding little uh, threads that, yeah, like you say, mostly some of them are side quests and will be explicitly sort of be sort of pointed to them. But often I got to them before I was supposed to. Mm. Um and i think still probably my favorite experience of the game was just going back to that uh, going to the second area then going back to the first area and just realizing oh shit i can get in here now um i think i didn't have the geek guard. i think i found some other way of getting in there and it was just so clearly a place i wasn't supposed to be it was just i was so out of my depth it was like there was a thing in there that i was just like oh my fucking god um and just being terrified at that thing and trying to creep around and explore that place without like daring to risk the wrath of this completely unknown creature was awesome and actually it even it happened to be a creature that i'd heard some things about um i won't say what because it's better to know nothing at all but even knowing the things i knew it was still terrifying and mysterious to me um and uh that was such a sort of electrifying experience mm. just i was so immersed in it at that point and in general just a, i spent a huge amount of time in this game like pursuing what feel like my own leads like there's just you know, I can get to the trauma center, but there's a guy called Devries whose office is locked. And I don't think anyone was telling me to go in there or there was anything pointing me in there. It, I think it turns out like there is something that quest related in there, but I was just like, I want to get in there. Mm. And, oh no, I don't what it was. I was looking for someone else and I couldn't find them in the trauma center, but I knew they were supposed to be in the trauma center. As it turned out, I'd missed a clue in that quest. Um, But my thought was, oh, well, there's one door. I can't get in here. I want to get in there. Mm. And it's this guy's office. So I'm going to look up where this guy is. And it marks him on my map and I'm looking at oh, sorry, marks him on, in the game world. And I'm looking at where he's in the game world. And I'm like, how is he there? <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> and, uh, puzzling that out, like it took, um, you know, I, I kind of tried to pursue that manually. And then eventually, you know, you got loads of other things going on. So I kind of put it uh, on the back burner. And then when like seven hours later, I found the guy. I'm like, it's
3: Devries. I found Devries. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just, I think I'm still in the kind of honeymoon period of that first 10 hours um, and I'm having exactly that kind of experience where I'll be on a side quest and, you know, go to an airlock and go into, you know, a, a, a hole breach where there's just loads of stuff floating around mm. and I'll, I'll rescue, recover my objective and then just like I fix a pump in there because I can and it says, oh, well, you know, we've sucked out, you know, we've restored the atmosphere to this corridor now you can access like beams and waves lab i was like there's no way i'm not fucking going to the beams and waves Lab." i remember i think i screenshotted that song because i'm like that is the most exciting door i was like like, drop everything i don't know who i am or what i'm doing here but drop it if this this room doesn't have a laser gun in it then i'm funding this game (laughs) and uh it it might have a it might have a laser weapon in it a little bit but it just that alone was really exciting because it forced me to go back through areas i'd already been through Mm. and um as you get to know the enemies uh, increasingly they do become more interesting. One of my frustrations is the combat generally. Um mm. But as a piece of just uh piece of architecture to explore, I've never, I've, I can't remember the last time I was as excited about yeah. a space as since Dark Souls or something like that. Mm. Like I'd, I'd absolutely love backtracking and what that does to this. I think thing.
0: In terms of being a, like a, a world with that's interconnected, it's mm. actually Dark Souls is a really good comparison because mm. Dark Souls has that thing of when you realise that you look up at that castle wall from the Firelink Shrine, and that's a real place, that's not just a bit of environment art, you will be at the top of that wall eventually, that kind of thing. It has that sort of sense of like, oh, I can't
2: get there now, but I will be able to. Yeah, I had this thing where I did the same thing where in the very first area I went into the security room and you look at you know everyone on the station. It tells you, I was similar like like Tom, I was amazed. I was was like, is this real? Is a lot of this just fluff? (laughs) Uh, And I, I noticed that like... Loads of people are alive in a particular area. It's like, oh, wow, that's going to be really exciting. They're actually going to... I'm going to get to meet people in this game, which is one of the things that Prey has way over Bioshock and other games that hold you off from meeting people mm. all the time. Uh, Prey is very kind of increasingly happy to let you meet people and make decisions about their lives and stuff,
3: which is very yeah, exciting. Yeah.
2: Um, so uh, then I kind of ended up... Uh, went through the first airlock, which isn't too far in, and just looked up and you could I could see the zone where all those people were and it's like it's really high up I was like, I, and that just made me so excited to explore the rest yeah. of the game knowing that in 10 hours i'm going to get me, get to meet loads of people in there and that's going to change the yeah, game yeah. completely it's so exciting
0: i think i would stress that like when i talk about the game changing i think it's less of a case of a honeymoon period for me what it was is the game evolves from being like a survival horror where you feel like a trespasser everywhere you go to being more like a kind of creative shooter where your, your own power level increases quite a lot that's i think not a spoiler to say because they've they've done mm. plenty of stuff about the you know the kinds of ways you can upgrade yourself later in the game so i found that where i'm at now with it i feel like i have and i think i think this is accounted for in the plot i don't feel like it's undermining the story the game's trying to tell but i'm no longer like hiding from the monsters so much as i'm figuring out the best way to clear this room or this area mm. And that's a, that is a, it's a change of tone. Like, I think over, I don't think that's actually totally alien to the genre necessarily. Like, I think, um, I think it's more successful than Bioshock in, in the sense that, um, you do have these big climactic encounters with, you know, significant enemies. And I've had to approach each of them in a slightly different way or, or, you know, use my skill set in a different way. Whereas I found with Bioshock, where Bioshock revolves around those big daddy fights. I often discovered that you could do all of them the same way, pretty much. Um, mm. like, you know, the, the lightning, bat trap bolts and yep, the shotgun were both totally, <laughs> totally overpowered against them. So, whereas I haven't found anything like that in prey yet so much, like, or at least every encounter has felt like it's taken place in an area where I can do something interesting.
3: Hmm.
0: Um, whether that's involving the sort of slowing time power or the, um, hacking and, and other things you can do. I don't want to spoil many of the powers, um, but there are interesting you know i i've i've won fights in that game in ways that i've never won to fight in a different game and kind of using this as a mad powers you get given that mm. kind of thing um but where i'm at with it now um oh man it's hard to talk about this was but like where i'm at with it now i'm at a point where those characters that you meet aren't seeing me like a kind of another survivor kind of crawling through this station but like more of a kind of like you know holy shit, (laughs) like, what the hell are you kind of thing, which changes the feel of the game, I think, quite Mm. a lot. And it becomes at that point more about exploring and solving problems and prioritizing and following your own leads and sort of trying to make the right decisions and toy with your freedom
2: rather than just getting by. Uh, That's a really really exciting transition. Yeah. Um, That's really awesome. Uh, One of the things I love most about it so far is that it's taken uh, a lot of the same... Uh, mechanics that I've seen played with a lot in Dishonored 2 and Deus Ex in the last year. So it's hacking through doors, it's finding vents, and it's all of the pretty staid stuff by now in this genre. Mm. Um, And uh, in a kind of entirely sandbox environment where you're backtracking a lot and remastering areas, those techniques and those mechanics work so, so much better um, for me than it does in those games where, for example, in Dishonored 2 or Deus Ex, um, you're going to go out on this long mission It's going to last an hour and it's going to be... uh, Obviously, it's a sandbox still and there are multiple ways to approach it, but it's almost like still a tunnel. You're you're either in the, oh, I'm in the stealth bit of the tunnel or I'm in the combat bit of the tunnel, and and then you'll get to the cutscene at the end and then it'll reset you. Whereas with Prey and with System Shock 2 as well, it was about uh, building a skill set and then increasingly mastering the areas in lots of different ways. Mm. So like a little vent, it won't be the entire path for a mission. I won't feel like, oh, I've done the stealth way to do this. It's like, here's a way I've discovered to circumnavigate threats i don't care about in this area or if you find turrets activate those and set them up and kind of create safe zones for yourself in the, the station because it's a place where you live and you kind of inhabit and you impose your personality on it in the way that you navigate it and organize it i think that's a really good way of demonstrating the way it shifts actually because like i remember the first
0: time i took on a basically an enemy larger than a mimic mm. um i really planned for it And like, it was just after I discovered that you can pick up the turrets. Yeah. Like they turned into these sort of briefcase sized toolboxes that you can carry and set up in different places and set them up and created a trap and then hauled loads of explosive barrels into the doorway that the turrets were pointing at and made a pile of them so that when the enemies like chased me into the path of the turrets, they would, the turrets would shoot the barrels and the barrels would go up because I didn't have a gun at the time. It was like proper full on, how do I solve this problem using only my wits? And then so 10 hours after that, I'm setting up, you know, I'm, you know, as a matter of habit, setting up turret nests to hide in if something goes badly wrong. And then it does do things like it does respawn enemies. Um But one thing I noticed that it does, which is, I think, m- makes that forgivable, at least to me, is it, it actually, it, what it does is it tries to give you the impression that if you've left an area and come back to it, that stuff has happened in that area. So mm-hmm. you'll see, like, the influence of the alien's has expanded visually in the area in the time that you've been gone and they trash your turrets yeah. while you've been gone as well. <clears throat> um Which mm. is a sort of, you know, an interesting thing. because you've got to then prioritize whether or not you want to bother setting that back up again or not, or save your spare parts and your repair gear for the next area you enter. Mm. So yeah, I found that I found that side of it has been consistently um interesting. I, I think, I think there's some, there's some ways in which I think it plays against itself a little bit. Like, I think the aliens are actually laudably alien. Um, the stuff in the fiction that is mirrored in the way that they react to you in the game. Um, no, no, nothing like spoilery, but mm. they don't really, they're not human. They don't really see like humans or, you know, assign value to things like humans do. Which means as a stealth enemy, um, their perception is very hard to judge mm. what they can see, even in some cases which direction they're looking um it reminds me of discussions that the alien isolation developers had where because their alien doesn't have eyes they had to figure out which direction does it look in how mm-hmm. does it see and they figured out that it was easier for everybody if you just pretended it had a 90 degree vision yeah, cone sure. in front of it like mm-hmm. anyone else yeah because even though that doesn't actually make any sense it every, fits every the players right, yeah. it fits the players ex- sense of what's happening mm-hmm. whereas prey doesn't quite do that and so sometimes you a um, I mean, it will or won't react to you and you won't be necessarily sure why. Um, similarly, the way they move is weird. They don't tend to just run around. They teleport and shift and kind of dash and double back on themselves and split in two. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of weird shit rather than just move. And that means that they often struggle to chase you because they're too busy moving in a mad way. <laughs> and I think that sometimes, sometimes hurts it a little bit because it's weird because I think they're effectively alien and that's rare enough in games that the aliens aren't just
2: sure. weird looking people with guns yeah it's like is uh, the rhino type here's yeah, the dog type
0: yeah exactly mm. they do feel like creatures that
2: you can't ever quite predict
0: what they'll do so you'll shoot one with a nerf dart in the hope that it'll chase you into your, into your, into your turret nest and it just kind of won't like it'll just go like and like look around a bit and then b- bugger off mm. and there's no reason why in, in the sci-fi setting there's no reason why that doesn't make sense it's not like a human enemy but you know they, they shouldn't necessarily be expected to behave in according to human priorities. But the fact that they don't, and you know there are there are emails and things that ex- seem to explain that they they definitely don't for a reason. It seems sort of doesn't quite fit. I think it's one of the reasons the combat doesn't feel quite as good as it could either. Yeah,
1: I've I've really called on it um, after that first ten hours, and it's not because it's like it hasn't gone back on any of the kind of promises it made. Like that place is really coherent, and I'm still really enjoying that part of it. But I'm just, um, I find myself increasingly irritated with the combat. And it's uh, that, that trickiness of the enemies is, I just find it, irritating like uh, i think it's really
2: bad in first person i think it was third person.
1: mimics jump around all the time mimics obviously their main thing is they disguise themselves Mm. and uh you get better ways of dealing with that but um it still basically means you just have to take things really slow or you might get jumped in the face by a mimic and they're actually not common enough that it's really worth taking things slow all the time at least if you're as impatient as i am and so i often just uh stop taking things really slow either i take it really slow and i get bored or I don't take it really slow and then it maybe jumps on my face. And it doesn't it's not catastrophic, it's just irritating. Um and then a lot of the aliens teleport or they fly. And I keep having things where I'm like, uh, you know, maybe it's the alien thing you're talking about, but like I'm fully behind something and I get spotted by an alien. Um and so yeah, it's so the th- the main thing I would say is that it's um the tool set seems really suited to the kind of game I like where it's all about setting things up and here's how you prepare for an attack and, like, um, and get right. And then the enemies seem designed to ambush you in a way that doesn't give you t- chance to react. And sometimes even just the level design, like a couple of times where you go through a level transition and as soon as you're in the level transition, there's just two, there's like a whole bunch of really tough enemies right in front of you. And uh, there's a bit like that where I just had to load a save game like six times before I got to a, like found the right combination of of stealthing and moving, that they didn't immediately spot me. And if they immediately spot me, then it's just outright combat, and I just don't have anything that's really that makes that satisfying. And it's so rare in general in the game for me to have a really like, like satisfying encounter where I just dealt with it like cleanly. Even when I do, it doesn't feel good because they do all these weird things. Like when a mimic is fighting you, I had so many fights with mimics uh, early on where I thought like, shit, I got really fucked up there, and I look at my health and I'm at full health and they actually never hit me but when they get close to you your vision like blurs yeah, in a way that feels easy. that you're getting hit yeah. and you can't really see what they're doing a lot of the time and it just has this kind of messy fiddly feel to it and at the first I think that's quite like I say it's alien and that's uh, a good fit for the theme and so early on I was more forgiving of it but now that the kind of alienness has worn off I'm just kind of irritated by it I'm just finding like it's more of a slog to get anywhere because there's mm. just so much of it
0: I think like I haven't put any points into like the combat discipline, but I do. I have. I went like big on engineer early, mm. um, which meant that I have like really upgraded a shotgun, which is now amazing. That's what I've done. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I really like. And I always have. You know, you have your 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 power bound to your right mouse button, and I have mine on the slow time power. Yeah. That sounds like. Um. Like whenever I'm not doing something else. And so when you get those moments of like a mimic jumps you. I sort of instantly slow time, and I feel like i not quite good at dealing with it now. Or if you get jumped by something bigger, you can often deal with it. And you kind of learn how they move. Like, I've enjoyed that side of it. Like, you kind of know that some of the aliens will try and teleport through you. So you can kind of shoot them once and then spin around, and you'll catch them when they're on the other side. And so there's stuff you can learn, which, yeah, I think helps. But actually, all of that stuff is only possible if you are using that slow time power, which actually feels like the thing that almost fixes the combat system a little bit, because it's so based on these... Kind of sudden encounters. Yeah. You, can, you can do some interesting things to plan for stuff, but...
1: I got that power on the demo because I, I thought that I might uh, sort of fix the combat. But the problem was that the... Uh, I think the points I needed for it, I only really got at the end of the demo. So I didn't get a chance to try it out that much and what i did learn about it was that it uses your side points which at the time i had no way of replenishing and that it was naturally and so in the demo i learned oh that power's not really worth it it's just so i haven't got it in the full game but actually now you mention it that probably would solve some of my problems it's
0: really good and like one thing about it that almost so i think i went through a little phase where i wasn't sure what kind of game it was becoming when it was in that transition point between the survival horror game and the action game or the you know sci-fi action game it becomes where i started to realize that like I had been hoarding my stuff like a survival horror player, but it was just giving me so much stuff. Yeah, I've got so like, much stuff. <laughs> like eventually ammo, side points, armor, your suit value, that stuff becomes much less of a concern because you get upgrades that allow you to replenish your pools a lot easier. Uh, certain types of ammo can be tricky, but you can fabricate it if you're diligent yeah. about that. Um, it even allows you to fabricate skill points to a degree. Like yeah. it really opens up. And at that point... As soon as I sort of got up to speed with the idea that, okay, this game is now about me being quite powerful, actually. Um And there are interesting things. There are reasons I want to go back and replay it, which I'll probably have to talk about in a spoiler pod. But, like, um it felt like, oh, okay, that's what this is becoming. This is now a game about, like, this is now the game about having, being able to splash my powers around. Not feeling like every side point I spend is going to be something I regret if I end up hitting something scary around the corner. Hmm. Um sort of no spoilers but it has a moment that is a i believe an explicit tribute to a famous bit in the first bioshock game where someone plays music and then attacks you from all sides and you've got a shotgun i don't know if you've found that in prey um where i was like oh this is being that and that's a it's very unsurvable horror moment because it's almost like a, a violent dance where you're using weapons and powers to sort of you know conquer a quite a tough combat encounter and that i think is a very different game to this the one it starts out as but i I saw really liked it there's some you know fun powers in that regard the um the phase shift power is really good Mm, the teleport is really good the um it's not i mean it's not a spoiler to say you get the mimic power yourself right because that's in the first trailer it's it's in the first trailer trailer. like um and then it levels when you can mimic turrets and just be a turret (laughs) that is fun um what when you're turret, can you move? Uh, yep. Can okay. you shoot?
1: Yeah. Do, do you like? Yes. How do you move? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how do you move when you roll a tape? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, usually you tumble over. So I'm wondering, can you? I like... think you can hop along. Like, it's, <laughs> uh, have you <laughs> <ever> <laughs> seen mimics do that? Because the they do bunnies. do that. Yeah, they yeah. do pretend to Impersonate a turret.
2: Yeah, no, they don't impersonate turrets. But they, they, you see them as a little object trying to hop away from you. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, yeah. If they think you're not looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I suppose I'm a I'm a bit of an outlier in that I've, I, I think that, you know, I still like the mimics um as an enemy because so the thing begins really early and it doesn't it keeps this up. But I think you, your pace of exploration naturally accelerates as you go on mm-hmm. for various reasons. You initially start like, wow, this is amazing and threatening and I'm going to pour over every detail. And then as you get more comfortable with the setting and everything else, you just naturally start going faster. And that means I think you start hitting the mimics without considering them. Yeah. Whereas early on
1: And I have it especially when I'm backtracking, because I'm just like I yeah. just want to get back to place A
3: yeah. where I
0: already know and I clean this area out, but now there's mimics again. But there's loads of really good examples, particularly early where the mimic puzzle is solvable. Not just by you know going slow enough that you see them shake or the thing that the little effect that gives them away. Hmm. It's you can look in a room like the first few times you encounter mimics, they're explicitly disguised as something that you should be able to tell as doesn't belong so you'll go into a room and it's like, um, for some reason, for some reason, this is a space station where people need explosive canister dispensers, <laughs> <laughs> but like there'll be one too many explosive canisters in the room and you know that like that's two chairs happening. at a desk, two chairs that's at a desk. That's, that's what yeah. tells you one of them to mimic. And I love that kind of, that's what I talk about attention to detail. Like I love that kind of environmental storytelling. Like I think there's one where there are, there are two identical photos on a desk and that's what gives it away. <laughs> and then you, you know, you've got the glue gun very quickly and you just fire a blob of glue at them and they can't transform. And you've yeah. solved the problem. And you don't get XP for I, individual kills, so that's, that, that's, you, you're done. You don't have to kill it. You, you've solved the, you've solved their mimic puzzle.
1: I really like that because, um, I would often have a hunch about, like, oh, there's two of those things. I'm not sure there should be two, but I don't know which one's a mimic. So I, like, foam them both. And then, you like, after you've done it, you still don't know if you solved it. Like, it doesn't tell you you got it right <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. if they don't transform i mean they, they won't transform either way if they weren't a mimic they won't transform because they're not mimic if they were a mimic they won't transform because you've glued them um it's like a witch test in that way <laughs> <laughs> the, the explosive barrel gets foamed either way
3: just throw it. Uh, river which one floats
1: the yeah. other thing you don't know is was there ever a mimic uh like hmm. is there a mimic in the room and if those two don't transform but you think there is a mimic in the room then something else is going to turn into a mimic and uh there are yeah. sound cues as well little that was that was fun early on when i had the patience for it
0: yeah (laughs) that's the thing like i think weirdly like the game would also work were the mimics more like an alien isolation style threat where there was only a few of them and they were a huge deal if they were in the level and they could disguise as anything Hmm. that would make it more explicitly a horror game like prey has horror elements but i don't think it's really a horror game in the same way that system shock has horror elements but it's not like full-on a horror experience
1: yeah actually the thing i would like is if there was like a little like um uh like i say you do you do get a way to deal with them better, but the thing I would like instead is um An alien-style radar beeper thing, where it just goes beep, just to tell you there's one somewhere. Yeah, I mean, and like if there's three, then I want to hear three bips, so you know there's three, but you don't know where they are, and that just tells mm. you, okay, be careful here.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. Like there's, there's the like the like I don't know. The thing I like about it is that all this stuff that is loads of logic in the game that you can use to your advantage if you choose to do so. So like turrets can see can see mimics. They can they just can see them. So I spent the first part of the game married to a fucking turret who went (laughs) everywhere with me. And I would set her up in the doorway to any room I was going into just to let her have a look first. And then you'd hear the kind of like, you know,
2: you know, typhoon, detect- and then it'd be gone. I had a brilliant moment where um, I was in some vents and uh, a mimic was alerted and popped out of cover and then uh, fled away from me into a room, a med- like a medical facility, just these little small medical rooms you can find. And they, they're they populated by med drones that can heal you, but they sort of commented and stuff around them. And it said... Obstruction detected. I was like, <laughs> shit, that's where it is. <laughs> and it, like the the robots and the things around you really do react to mimics and to other enemies. And you can get a lot of kind of intel about, about them from the sound design, which is I, good. Cause most of the sound design, I hate the music and a lot <laughs> of the sound in it. Actually, I think like a lot of the audio cues are like really too loud and too aggressive. Yeah. The really mixing
1: bad. is, is really gone wrong. Like there's, I think there's some code that's not running right or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I, had like all important dialogue halved in volume at some point, And now it's just permanently stuck at low volume. I've got a voice volume at maximum, and that means robots that walk around and say something is deafening. Right. But when people actually communicate with me to tell me important plot stuff, I can't hear it over the
2: noise of everything else. Yeah, similar with them. Um, whenever a mimic decloaks, it gives you a massive, like, incredibly loud audio cue, which is uh, a useful. You need to know that something <laughs> is decloaking behind you. And a lot of the frustration I have for the combat is that it deals with your first person perspective terribly. It really kind of abuses your mm, limited yeah, I agree perspective. With that. Um, and especially a part of that is the. Um, the distortion effects they give you when you're fighting something, yeah, it's just really, a shitty thing to do to yeah. in a FPS to just now you're in a fight and you can't see as well because there's loads of static in your, in your view and it's, it's irritating and it just doesn't really make any sense. Um, uh, so i hate that and also enemies that teleport through you and attack from behind you in an fps i've no idea how a control pad player is supposed to play this yeah. and it's annoying enough to a, a, a mouse and keyboard um and but that that type of design is is it feels shit in a mm. fps setting um, and it, it feels like if, if it was a third person game we have that little bit of extra peripheral awareness that stuff would be stuff you, you could react to um whereas in prey it feels consistently irritating and i've constantly been killed because they do so much damage to you like if you take a shot unawares from a direction you're not you know you haven't seen them coming from that's instant death mm. uh, and I've had loads of deaths where I've just been attacked from I guess a mimic or something while I was fighting something else and it's just one hit me and there's, been, I've had no indication that it was there uh, and that's just really bad <laughs> that's just yeah. really annoying I
0: feel like it, it's weird like I almost wonder if that that slow time power should be built in because I've had yeah. it from the start and yeah. it's so helpful
1: when mm. I bought it in the demo I was hoping it would be like an automatic thing like it just kicks in when yeah it's combat or something oh, that would be great
0: but, like, no, like now it's almost automatic for me now. Like, I slow time because I have a big enough psi pool now that slowing time is yeah. So it's like, I slow time and then set up what other power I'm going to use. Yeah,
1: the psi cost would be no issue to me now because I'm just psi rich. The resource glut thing is is a real... Um, uh, it's a problem that, like, lots of these games try and solve and none of them really do. Um, and it's just insane. <laughs> I've never had resource glut like this. I just have infinite everything. Like, I've got, like, 56 psi hypos... Um and they're used automatically so effectively my sci pool is like 56 times well actually I don't know how much they regenerate but,
0: 65 points
1: but actually like fairly cheaply I can upgrade how much they regenerate to like double yeah. and so that would just double my sci, my total size stockpile which I'm sure will never run out even if I'm wildly <laughs> mm. liberal and I have my number of medkits has just gone up steadily over the whole course of the game so I've got like 30 of those now Um, I've got like 28 level up points <laughs> spare <laughs> like I will spend them but I'm just like I went through a period of um, not having like a thing I was desperate to unlock and so they they stacked up for like you know an hour of play and that means I've got 28 spare now <laughs>
2: yeah i find the resource economy still fundamentally quite annoying in prey even though i think it does it a lot better than other games mm. so there's stuff i really like i like the idea that you can convert any item into stuff i, I love, love the way it process. shows you that it's yeah, really it's satisfying. satisfying it com- uh, comes
1: out of these like cubes and spheres beautifully of like textures <laughs> yeah i think uh, there must be like more than one per type right because i'm looking in that bin and there's like 17 different kinds of yeah, orbs. and they cubes. all
2: sort of <laughs> they all sort of inherit the qualities like if it's sort of plant matter it's sort of yeah. plenty and if it's like yeah, a there's, silver there's
1: one that looks like a ball of yarn or something yeah um,
2: which is lovely. I love that you get to see that. I love the way when you craft something, you get to see this amazing machine make it and then spit yeah. it out in front of you. Um, however, I've, it's ultimately still been frustrating for me where I've chosen that my style at the moment is just shotgun. I've massively upgraded my shotgun. Love killing with the sh- things with the shotgun. feels great. Um, there aren't many shotgun shells in the world uh, outside the first area, I can tell. So I'm just having to constantly go back and craft them right. over and over again because that's the linchpin of the way I l- want to play this game. And maybe it's in uh, it's trying to get me to try other ways playing it. Mm. You know, maybe I should upgrade a pistol or something. But I just don't have any other way of dealing with a lot of the enemies at the moment. Because yeah. obviously the first ten hours. I think
0: that's the thing. You will eventually. Like yeah. I've moved on. That like, I've got an amazing pistol now, and yeah. so I tend to use that a lot. Mm. Um, from a different thing. But yeah, like it. It. I think um, it's it, it's a really interesting game because I think I do think actually that it is better than System Shock in a whole bunch of ways from the depth of its simulation to kind of what it allows you to do to the amount of different creative things you can try that work. Hmm. But, and in some cases it's its problems, you know, where, where its problems emerge from the fact that it's given you too much freedom and it's let you kind of sequence break things a little bit or that kind of thing. I'm inclined to forgive them or even, you know, things like the resource glut, which stem from ultimately probably a desire to not hem your options in too much. Hmm. And if you play diligently, it just gives you loads of stuff. So there's probably interesting resource scarcity if you're rushing, but if you take your time, it gets a lot
2: easier. Yeah, I often think why why not just give the player the thing that they found? Why not just give me the ability to shoot my shotgun in combat? Yeah, I think you know? I mean I think the inter- I think there are interesting moments when you run out. Like I think that does create mm. a sort of i feel like they're not worth the admin of picking up yeah plant matter to go to find a machine and then spend things on repairing it in order i think it's because
1: they want you to value all the other kinds of loot they want like because that's loot is a reward for almost everything it's like Mm, if you do a quest you get some loot if you look in a secret area you get some loot and because they can't they don't know what kind of loot you value if they give you a way to like recycle everything into anything then they can uh hope that When you find this bunch of junk, (laughs) you can convert it into something else. It
2: feels like, you know, focusing, like, Neuromods are what's really important. Yeah. Uh, Frankly, like, that's the real currency of the game. Yeah. And the rest, you know, why make you melt loads of stuff into blocks to feed the rest of that stuff? I mean, it
0: like, there are things I love about that idea, though. Like, the fact that there isn't a standard grenade in the game. What you have is a recycler charge that does the same Mm matter recycling thing to whatever you throw it at. Which is both a crafting thing. Like if you can't find a recycling station, but you've got an inventory full of junk, it's, it's sometimes worth sacrificing a recycler charge.
1: <laughs> <Did you> just <laughs> drop, drop it all on the floor. And yeah, put and a, a, a You, you know, stick a recycling
0: charge on top of it and then fire a nerf bolt at it from the nerf crossbow <laughs> mm. and it will go off and it'll
1: even recycle the nerf bolt, which is <laughs> <laughs> super efficient. Yeah. I, um, uh, I really like when I'm using the, the mimic power, the mimic power, you have to, use it on something like you need whatever you want to turn yourself into if you want to turn something into a mug you need an actual mug there um you can't carry mugs in your inventory but uh, like at the first when i just unlocked it um i tried copying some stuff for fun and then i actually came to a thing where i'm like oh there's a small hole here i can get through if i was a small thing and looking around for a small thing, oh, there's no small thing to copy And then you realize, wait, I have an inventory just full of small stuff. <laughs> I just dropped, so I just dropped like a bundle of wire, and then looked down at the bundle of wire and turned myself into it, and then <laughs> rolled through a- <laughs> it. <laughs> really kind of-
2: consistent in that way, isn't it? Like it's really consistent about what is an object in the world. Well, it has to yeah. be because of mimics and stuff. But I love that it gives you powers that let you actually kind of play with that. Yeah, area. they obviously yeah.
1: decided to go big on that because the li- the lifty arms power uh, you can upgrade at level three, and then you can just pick up like sofas and stuff, and yeah, nearly everything that isn't attached to the floor counts as an <laughs> object that. You you can pick up
0: like um yeah and like that that is its strength is that when you feel like you should be able to do something often mm. often you can it's not going to be a dick about it um and i think you know so I'm, a, I'm willing to forgive the problems that emerge from some of the janky stuff that happens when that's the case um similarly like you know there are There are moments where I'm okay with having my freedom curtailed a bit. If it means it moves the game along or shows me something, that's okay. I think the things that have stuck with me that, like, I think does hold it back from being a a great game, I think it's a really good game, are, like, there's a laudable attempt to make these kinds of games a little bit more accessible to people by giving you quite a thorough journal. Hmm. So if you don't want to bother with mission objectives and stuff, you don't have to. It's never going to make you. It's never going to make you do things in a specific way. But it gives you lots of different opportunities to find the information you need, both in game in terms of emails and stuff but also out of the game in terms of the quest ui and what morgan writes in his or her journal about what's going on um which is a really good idea because i think one of the weaknesses of these games is that they are very opaque to people who aren't into this kind of thing and i I would want someone to be able to play this as a relatively linear sci-fi adventure who doesn't give a shit about solving every encounter in the weirdest possible way Mm. um but then there are just some little things that make that inelegant like um something I encountered was as it should, it lets you skip ahead in quests. So I didn't prioritize an optional objective you're given. So I'll give you the I'll give you the no no specific nouns example. There's there you know, you're constantly being given optional objectives, which are like, you know, chase down this lead in this section of the station. I chose not to do one of them. And then in a later section of the station, while pretending to be a roll of tape and sliding into doors and going and doing things. I shouldn't, I found an item or a clue from later in that, in that quest chain that i had ignored, um, which is great. And it just advances me to the current stage of the quest, which is what you'd want it to do. Yeah. Right. That's great. However, it then filled in my journal as if I had been to a whole part of the station I'd never been to. So Morgan then writes in her journal, I went to here and it wasn't here, but I followed a trail of clues and found it here instead. And that's not true. I just found the, I just found the thing at the place where it was. And that, that, it feels sloppy and it feels like it downplays the experience a little bit. I've also had like, I've also ended up encountering some crucial like enemies and things from later in the game from like possibly the angle they didn't expect me to encounter them from, which has robbed certain moments of what should be their import. Hmm. Like, you know, the, the thing Dark Souls does, where the first time you encounter a boss, it plays the boss's cutscene, and then the second time you encounter the boss, it never bothers. Yeah. If you load it again, or, like, you know, um... Or, you know, allows you to skip it. Prey almost feels like it needs little sort of boss introduction cutscenes for certain enemies, because if you do them the weird way, so much of the impact is lost. Um, And then... That's the stuff that just sort of eats away at it for me, like, that kind of feeling of jankiness. I've had... I'll talk about it on the spoilercast because I really don't want to spoil it, but I've had one I've had one side quest end with a cop out re my actions so egregious. I kept replaying it because it's the funniest thing in the fucking world. <laughs> How hard they cop out of having to give you any consequences for your your different ways of possibly solving a problem at the end of a side quest. And it's stuff like that that like as it gets it feels like as ever with these games where they give you so much freedom, there's a finite extent to which the simulation can hold together. And almost the measure of how good these games are, after they've achieved all that difficult baseline stuff, Mm. is at what point do you start going, oh, come on, that's not quite right. And for me, Price sort of gets there maybe a little bit too soon. Like, I'm okay with it all falling apart in the final level. Mm. But it sort of feels like at the halfway point, you start to realize the extent to which they were able to really simulate how much you could interact with that station and
1: things on it. I read one side quest in particular that was just total bullshit. <laughs> just from start to finish, just every part of it was just, oh my God, I can't believe this is in here.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the, and then the little small things like someone's got to figure out a, it's, it shouldn't be hard to do an intelligent play last audio recording system. So when you pick up an audio log, it gives you the option to press L to play that log. Except at some point in the game that just stopped working properly for me. Huh. It now just plays the last log it thinks I picked up, which may or may not be the one I just picked up. <laughs> and there are literally time sensitive challenges later in the game where all the context you need for the decision you're being given a timed, a timer on making is, uh, in audio logs. And during one really crucial one, A life or death decision that I'm giving, admittedly, five minutes to make, but it still feels like you're on the clock. I pressed L to read, to listen to the series of audio logs I just picked up, only to get one about (laughs) D&D. I mean, they play D&D in space, that's cute, but like, there was, it was only one of those, oh, come on, moments, to quote you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's my phrase now. Um, there was a sort of, yeah, a little, little frustration at the edge of of what the game was doing. Yeah,
1: I had a really bad one with that where it's still, it's still screwing me really um, where I entered an area. It was actually the one I was talking about where you enter and there's already enemies right in your face and you, there's not much you can do to, to uh, plan your approach. And so, of course, the t- tactical thing to do is to like go back through the level loading transition, which is, you know, totally artificial. They can't follow you through that. Uh, but uh, the first time I did it, it was just um, uh, as the fight started, it was involved two robots and the robots talk a lot uh like i say the robot talking volume is twice the important dialogue volume Hmm. important dialogue um uh came during the fight like it waited when i was silenced there was no like important communication and then when i um uh when i actually got into combat that's when it started to tell me the important thing and i so i didn't hear it i finished the fight um and uh at the end of it you know you don't get that back it doesn't go into your log anywhere that i can find there's no way to like recap it if you get an audio diary you can listen to that anytime but this wasn't an audio diary and then a while later i read uh, i was just looking through my quest log of like the latest step of the quest i was on i looked back at the last step and just in the text there there there's like a huge plot development (laughs) like like massive major stuff and i don't know if that was what they were telling me about like uh, i have no idea what they said during that whole thing and uh i looked through my save games and I didn't save for seven, I didn't make a permanent save for seven hours before that point. <laughs> so I don't have any way of getting back there. Oh, I just mate. gotta, let's replay the game
2: basically. That's good advice. I need, to, I've uh, been what I to save all the way through. I will so watch. I, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it would be good like every time there's a level transition, make a permanent save maybe. Yeah. Um, that's what I wish I'd done. But what I'll do is watch someone's Let's Play and <laughs> try and hear it from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, the thing I've been trying to figure out is whether or not these little quibbles detract from it because you can almost scroll up in that chat we had. And then like the initial impressions are like, Oh man, this is amazing. Like, this is so good. And I, I didn't even think it is. And I'm still, I'm still super impressed that, you Arca- know, it's two different Arcanes, but that the- technically one studio is capable of getting yeah. Thief Deus Ex right. And then getting System Shock right. Yeah, like it's incredible. surely if yeah. like, you know, I, I think it's a substantially better game than either Bioshock really as a game. Um Because, like those are solid but they're not very sort of systemically ambitious they're much more narrative experiences they're good but like you you know they're they're more about clever level design and kind of experiences that you only have once you tend to have them in the same way as other players more or less than they are about kind
2: of the mad creativity that you can exercise in prey Mm -hmm. Um, i I would say that i enjoy shooting the things (laughs) and let's not underestimate how you know just basic combat true. is important I, and that's the thing that really lets me down for prey i, I just i just find almost every combat encounter quite irritating in some for some reason even if there is a plan even if i and use my powers in some way there's something that's, that's gone wrong or being irritating about it and just almost from the feel of the weapons the way the enemies move um i that's you know with bioshock there is genuine i i a lot of people say that's a bad true. shooter, but I got pleasure out of going through those combat encounters. Mm. Yeah, I think that's true, particularly for Bioshock 2. Mm, um,
0: uh, yeah, I think I think Prey's strength lies in the way you solve other problems. Like, you know, Prey can make opening a door feel like a triumph if you do it in a silly way. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
2: Whereas most of the games, it's like, key card, hack the thing, Yeah, you know, find the vent and that's it. I think yeah. it, if it was a corridor game, it would be like a three out of ten, <laughs> But that's how much the, uh, yeah. level design and the systemic kind of playfulness of the, the powers actually gives to it. I think the fundamentals are actually quite weak in a lot yeah. of ways. The other, the other thing about it is, I think,
0: I think the thing, so if, you know, thing one that's become remarkable arc by arcane is they can make both games. They can make the system shot game and the Deus Ex thief game hmm. to a substantial degree of success. The other thing is that like at this point, surely you just have to give them the, holy shit your art direction is incredible kind of a prize forever because mm. like it has the same quality i mean it's funny when you find any portraits of characters it's set in the same face universe as dishonored <laughs> yeah like nothing else about its art style is like dishonored yeah, except true. how faces look it's definitely um they're kind of sculpted mm. sort of impressionistic kind of gaunt faces on everybody um but the thing that strikes me about it we talked about the interfaces and stuff last week but like That despite similarities to Bioshock in that, you know, Rapture and Talos 1 both have some, like, Art Deco influences, Um, it feels far more like a conscious art choice within the game in... I mean, obviously, like, Rapture within the context of Bioshock is a theme park made by one man (laughs) as a bad idea. Um, But as a game, it also feels like a kind of mad showcase for an almost out of game idea, you know what I mean? It's sort of, yeah. whereas like, you know, the, the, the fictional setup for, for Prey, the, the things that are different about its timeline that allows, this is not a spoiler, this is, you know, game beginning stuff that allows humanity to have a translunar space station with seventies decor. Um It's that thing that they did with Dishonored with, I really, really respect is it feels like all of the, not just the, the technological decisions, but the creative decisions about how those places look were made by people inside the game logically based yeah. on what they were making. It's the whole thing about, you know, the reason the, the city blocks in the dust district in Karnaka in Dishonored are diamond shaped where most city blocks in, in Dishonored 2 are square is because they break the wind in a specific way and hmm. they angle into the wind. Yeah. And you would never notice that, but it's just the art team for that game looking at a map of that environment and going which way would you build these buildings if there's wind coming from a particular direction and it's, it's that Prey has that as well and there's something yeah, about sure. that that I just love like the way each of those um, like there's just stuff about each environment that's such a great idea and like the way that the looking glass terminals are implemented which mm-hmm. is a they're awesome. I mean that is the most on the nose reference <laughs> they managed to get the Deus Ex code in there but that is the most on the nose reference but mm-hmm. the way they're implemented throughout the game um, in logical kind of interesting ways that change the way you think about environments is just that's great. Like I think that, that is what like, I think if it, if it looked like generic sci-fi cyberpunk stuff, like most of these games used to, like I I would be the person, I mean, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't think, I don't think either system Shock game or Deus Ex are good looking games. Mm. Um, Like, I think they are very of their time and they haven't aged well because, you know, it was enough to do pretty by the book sci-fi or by the book cyberpunk in the 90s and it's now not and i think you now have to have something else and they've gotten really good at giving those games a sort of an extra factor that makes them look unlike you know what i mean you've explored a space station and the game loads but this feels like a really specific place
2: yeah it's a mistake if you've kind of seen a lot of the uh marketing materials for prey to think it is like just bioshock again because it it isn't actually when you're actually in that world because it's very much How a seventies corporate culture would present themselves in the lobby, but then you actually go into more utilitarian areas that are designed based on like sci-fi technology, just beyond those areas, like the way those, uh, there are waiting rooms and offices that, you know, you'd expect maybe civilians or visitors to, to go into that are designed to look in a certain way as according to, you know, like a Mad Men setting might, if it was, you know, in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, Mad Men's actually a pretty good touchstone for a lot of its offices. Exactly. Like ochre. wood paneled offices like with like green lamps those that you know low green lamps i don't think they precisely have those in prey but that kind of yeah. thing you know um but then it very quickly um when you kind of go back into you know behind the scenes of the fun parks where, you know, all the places are actually making the things and doing the science mm-hmm. they actually feel like science spaces that would exist they're quite you know, more sterile yeah
0: and they're not miles off real
2: um sort of space station designs
0: or yeah. like you know relatively believable sort of airlocks and all the industrial parts of the station feel more mm. more like modern day things like the shuttles are
2: space shuttles that's mm. you know that's that's the thing it's very it's very similitude again that's it that's the word yeah it's like the place has its own internal logic that it to. and also a big garden in space <laughs> yeah because, look forward to getting there yeah
0: that's prey pretty much we should do we should do a spoiler cast because I want to talk about some specific things yeah, about where it goes and how it pans out, how it tells the story. I'm intrigued now.
2: It's good. I wasn't really seeing that it would have the potential to live, deliver that yeah. sort of. Uh, read
0: speak. as much as you can. Read all the emails. Okay.
2: Read all the things. Pay attention to the details. I, I've been doing the thing where, <laughs> weirdly, the like the only loot to glint in the game is resources and books. <laughs> <laughs> all the books glow if you, on default settings. So, uh, bookshelves full of shimmering tomes. And what I, I've done the thing where you just sort of click on them, not read it but then kind of pressed escape in the hope that it would bank it in yeah. my kind of codex. I think it does, doesn't it? I hope so. It does for emails. I don't think it does for the
1: books. No. <laughs> Although the
0: books are less important than the emails at okay, the The books fine. are more like... Some of the books are pretty important, but like... Oh, uh, I, think,
1: uh, I think it's notes something, you know. If you use a note, you actually take it. So it's kind of... It's in uh, your the post- inventory the post- at that point.
0: Thing. Okay. Yeah, it tends, to, it tends to be... The books also reoccur. Right? right. So like people have the same books in different offices. I okay. kind of
1: wish that if you'd read it before, it wouldn't have Luke Lint. Because that's mm-hmm. like I can't really remember what I've read before, and so keep...
0: yeah, just keep an eye on the titles. Yeah, um, a lot of them are sort of just just flavor as well. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of different people reading the same
1: trashy sci-fi novel series, and you find multiple entries in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is tracked in your stats. Interestingly, thing <laughs> like, how many chapters of that have you found? Huh? I think I have a lot of them
0: now. I've heard the entire journey of Trevor Starbender or whatever. It's <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, um, I'm still really impressed with it like for all those niggles i think it's Mm. like i'm enjoying it i'd be i'd be surprised if it wasn't on a whole load of game of the year list at the end of the year one way or another
1: I might spend my 28 neuro mods on some slow-mo shit and upgrading the shotgun 28 (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I have not had that many i must have spent about 200
2: (laughs) wow i've been struggling to find those things well i mean the first
1: portion so i can literally make them now
2: yeah (laughs) Um,
0: has it taken that away
1: uh, I've heard there's a limit but I haven't had it. Yeah, right.
0: okay. I mean, that's not what it just makes you do it gives you put some restrictions on your ability to just
1: power yourself up completely forever. But yeah. Um, cool. I also didn't get there's a couple of skills you can get at the start that will make that more efficient as well. Hmm. And I I saw them at the start and I thought, well, if I'm going to get those I should get them now. But on yeah. the other hand I actually don't want to I don't really like things where it's like spend the skill point to get more skill points or spend like yeah well if it's a resource can...
2: management do you want that or do you want the ability to hack things or you know yeah. super yeah it's it. like it
1: does pay off in the long run but i just uh, i, I just think
0: i think that is that is a legit a legit complaint actually is that um while it has a set of standout powers that are really good too much of its tree is skill trees are given over to a passive benefits that you ultimately probably won't care a lot about because they sort of open up interesting possibilities but not a lot mm. um or onto powers that you kind of want but probably will forget to pick from the wheel because there is <laughs> yeah. a lot of powers in that game yeah the wheel
1: uh, actually turns into a spiral when you have too much like when it doesn't yeah. fit in 360 degrees you just keep going around on a spiral <laughs> to all you know, your powers
0: i mean which is good because you know it pauses time when you're going down the ability spiral to find the specific thing you want but it again it's that thing of you know, again, Dishonored has that thing of like every power feels very different and they're all good and they're all meaningful. Yeah. Whereas Prey does some things with like. It'll do like the same power, but one of them will affect machines and one of them will affect yeah. organic targets. Right. That's not a huge spoiler, but it's like, could that have been the same power just to save mm-hmm. on
1: time? And you know, yeah. this is sort of, and I've got two think. that just deal damage basically. And the reason I've got both is partly they have slightly different effects, might be better against certain enemies, but also because there's a cooldown on each one. So if you have two, you can alternate and then. The yeah. There's,
0: um, be. there are, there are sort of interesting things to talk about in spoiler cast about things you can do with those powers that you can't do in other contexts but yeah there's that kind of it's really tempting to just rave about how good the mimic power is and how you know some of the other ones and gloss over the fact that you may also be drawn into spending three skill points on fire resistance
2: but that (laughs) stuff is in the game probably doesn't need to be really it does suffer from uh, having to pay to avoid irritation so especially in like inventory expansion yeah well just give me the fucking inventory space Come the on.
1: wrench stamina thing like swing you yeah, the wrench green stamina and then yeah. there's a, there's an upgrading get to make the stamina more and to reduce this wrench stamina if, you, if you're paying cost.
2: this is like a, a really good rule if you're paying skill points to make a game less irritating then that is just a shitty way to invite a player to spell, point, spell points spend points sorry um, why not just give you the the wrench capacity to yeah, you know hit people yeah. with a wrench you know I think they wanted a lot of point sinks because they knew they were going to like find have a, a of hell of a lot of fucking points <laughs> yeah think. but then but that invites you to misspend that's the trouble. Mm. Like it invites you to you know, spend not on the exciting things, but upon oh, uh, yeah. it's really irritating not be able to carry. Puts pressure on you five plants. I'd want to carry ten plants, so you you pay for it, and then that takes away from vital skills like apparently like time mo and stuff. Because
0: it's far more of an RPG um, in the way that System Shock was. As well, like yeah. it, it is a lot closer to
2: that. Yeah, that route.
1: Neither Bioshock nor Dishonored had the, the trouble detectors.
2: is because you don't know how scarce Neuromods, the kind of uh, those neuro points are going to be. Is that you, you're completely in the dark about what you should and shouldn't spend. And like, you you kind of, you're going to make bad decisions based on that because you're going to be too scared of spending on things that Mm. quality of life spending. So I felt really bad about spending two points on inventory expansion. (laughs) Two points is nothing in that game, but there's no way for you to tell that if you're in the first few hours of the game. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that stuff just feels sloppy to me and bad. But again, these are niggles. Like overall Mm. is pretty great. Yeah, it's easy to let those small yeah. things mount up.
0: Mm. Um, it's the old trade-off. Like, you make a game with this much freedom and you end up with sort of frustrating people with the fact they've got too much freedom and they're able to make decisions that they didn't like or mm. or, or that kind of thing. I think the one thing I would change is I don't think it would suffer at all for having a relatively accessible total respec option um, for mm. respending all of your points. Yeah, um, Even with the amount of points it gives you, because... <laughs>
1: like there is so yeah uh, interesting plot implications of that <laughs> yeah yes there would so <laughs> they'd, have to, oh, yeah. they'd have to fudge their way around mm. so
0: there are yes there are plot reasons why that wouldn't work but also so the downside of, so there seems to be two there's two ways of designing a game this way you either have the game where you can respec at any time and in the course of the playthrough you can experience lots of different playstyles in the course of a single run that's actually what mass effect andromeda did i think mm. quite successfully mm. because it means by the time you finish the game makes a plot point of it by the time you finish the game you probably don't need to play it again just to see a different class because you've, yeah. you've done, you've tried all the different yeah. things. And that's that's cool. Um Or you make the player's skill decisions and equipment decisions permanent and encourage them to play again. That is what Prey is doing. That is There are reasons, there are things it does that make, you, it's obvious it wants you to play it twice, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how gratifying that actually is. And there's definitely been times where... Hmm. Like I've you know I I found secrets that I have really wanted to uncover and and for that reason I've got maximum hacking and max maximum repair, um but I don't always need them and it feels like I kind of want to have like once I've unlocked it once let me kind of switch it off to get a different power for a bit and then go back yeah to having maximum hacking when I need it I know it's kind of a cop out but I may only play this game once so let me
2: yeah I'd, all the I'd say only expect any player to play it once and if anyone finishes yeah. your game you're lucky to be honest given the stats that you know that's true yeah. for you know completion rates like don't design a thing around people playing it more than once especially if it's 20 or 30 hours long it's just not going to happen
1: there are three different achievements for completing the game without taking a certain set of powers like do it once without taking this set and now do it once without taking that set and now do it once without taking either set
2: right yeah exactly not going to do that Which feels, yeah. <laughs> it's not
1: going to happen I'm <laughs> not sure about that
0: I mean, admittedly, Dishonored does the same thing, so Dishonored has ghost and no magic and that yeah. kind of thing. But, mm. Yeah, I'm but not yeah. actually
1: complaining about those achievements, but it, it's, it suggests to me that they expect you to do that. Mm. that they're, they're sort of thinking that you need to replay a lot. It's so fucking long. <laughs> I've yeah. it for like 25 hours and I haven't finished it. Yeah, it is. That's
0: the other thing. It's it's a real long game. So, yeah, those, those sort of small decisions you make early. I actually
1: I wonder, I mean, I'm not finding it's like full of filler or anything. But I wonder if it ended if it ended ten hours sooner, whether I would be coming away just glowing,
3: because,
1: hmm. like, you know, ten hours in, I was absolutely in love with it, and I think it could have done better if it was shorter. Hmm. I don't know if that's actually if I actually wanted to be shorter, but it's interesting.
3: Yeah, right, right. now you do
1: the yeah. It's that thing where, like, um, if you make a really good game and then you add a bad section onto it, I am not saying I've done this, but it, it, in general, I have a friend who. Um, uh, I won't say who, cause I, um, uh, this probably isn't, uh, meant for public consumption, but, uh, he had a game where, uh, it got really good reviews and then, it, like, like, towards the end of development, he added an extra mode to it and that extra mode was, um, people didn't like it. And almost all the reviews are kind of like, oh, it's brilliant except for this mode, which doesn't very good. And then give it, like, a not great score. And he's like, Could I, if I just cut that off, it would have got better scores. And yet I didn't, you know, I, It's just entirely extra. You don't need to play it at all. It's just a totally optional extra thing. Mm. Um, And it's interesting how that works because, you know, same price. You didn't charge extra for this mode or anything. You still pay that money and you get all of that game that would have got a better score by itself. Mm. But just by adding this extra thing, you could bring it down. don't know whether that's a problem with criticism or a problem with games or players or money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the entire thing is a (laughs) (laughs) write-off.
1: Abandon this earth. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Should we do questions from questions?
0: Yes, but what's that in the corner of the room again?
4: Oh no. It's Pip. <laughs> <laughs> well, discovered. I know, I wasn't really hiding very hard, was I?
3: She was a
0: mimic all along. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that cup that looked exactly like Pip was. But, <laughs> I, but I
4: she put is a holding a mug. On.
1: <laughs> not a Pip. Not
4: supposed to know.
1: <laughs> that, so putting a post it on something that says not a mimic, I don't think prevents it from be- actually being a mimic. But what you could do is put a post it on everything with a unique number on it. So you just number all your possessions because mimics have to copy something exactly. So if you see two. Numbers that are the same, you know one of them is a mimic.
0: That, that, that's useful advice if we ever get into this situation. <laughs> there would
4: be quite a lot of numbers at some point. You'd probably lot. have to come up with a system.
1: Uh, I think just as you go around your room or whatever, just do it in ascending order.
4: Interesting. What if it you... hides itself as a post-it note?
1: Well, it has to copy something exactly. So whatever the post-it note says, it would be. And it also also something nearby, so you'd like see the, the one it's copying next to it.
4: So it has to be in the ambient area. Yeah. Okay. So, but could it be a post-it note on top of another post-it note? Because they stack really well. That's
1: Uh, what post-it
4: note blocks are for.
1: Yeah, so if it copies just the post-it note, it would have to then, like, attach itself to the other post-it note, which I don't know if they can do that.
0: (laughs) Mm. I think maybe we're drilling too deep into this.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played Prey. No. I was playing Astroneer, but then I got lost. So I drove off into the desert and, and then couldn't find my way home. You
1: were towing a big tomato at the time, Yes, Rita. I was. <laughs> is that out yet or is it still access?
4: <laughs> oh no, it's still pre alpha, I think, oh, technically. God. So, uh,
1: I'm so bored of waiting for Early Access games to come out.
4: <laughs> yeah, but at the moment... Like, Stop being already good. They've just done a thing which means that you can... I was, I was ignoring it because I thought I don't want to burn out on it. But then they added um, the ability to blow up hydrazine fuel with mm. dynamite. And so pretty much all of this evening has been spent finding dynamite and harvesting hydrazine so that I could build myself a crater that I would make even bigger just with a ridiculous explosion (laughs) so that's that oh also I made some biscuits but the cookie dough was kind of old and I ate about five biscuits before I just gave up and thought this was bad
3: what, okay, in is this Astronia in real, or real life? life?
4: Oh, no, that was in real life. <laughs> okay. In okay.
1: mm. can you make... So don't you make... eat the
4: biscuits downstairs. And I'm not just saying that because I want them all. It's... They're grim.
1: <laughs> in astronaut, can you make Water? From hydrazine and
4: no, oxygen. there's no water requirement. Certainly at the nah. moment. Like, and to be honest, in the time since I last played it, it looks like they've removed the organic matter because you used to be able <laughs> to organic matter.
1: Well, I was using that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it used to be that if you hoovered. Um, the grassy bits of it it would accumulate in your backpack like any other resource but i haven't had any so far but i don't know whether that's because i haven't researched any like biomatter generators Mm. or anything and so it's just not recognizing it as a resource yet or whether they removed it because it was a bit dull and a bit limited
1: i just really like the bit in the Martian where he makes water because as he says he knows the recipe (laughs) (laughs) and i'd like to do that in a game
4: nice Sorry, yes, so I'm here. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, when I I do, for some reason, when I tweet for questions every week, um, I tend to do it in a different way. I don't know why. It's because everything we do on this podcast is the product of doing something weird once three years ago and then still doing it in that weird way now just because.
4: You could do it in an efficient business-like capacity next time.
0: Yeah, just once. That would be different. Yeah. Um And for some reason today, I did the tweet in the style of the Muppets opening song.
3: Mm.
0: Which, you know, normally I wouldn't mention this, except that our first question today, tonight, was sent to us in the form of a, a video from a Muppet.
4: It was a good one as well.
0: It, which is amazing. Mm. Um However, being sent a video is actually... Is, is actually the, the worst way to receive a podcast question. So what we'll hopefully do is pull the audio from the video and insert it into the podcast right now.
5: Dear Cretan Canberra, for some reason your question call got me thinking about live theater that defies suspension of disbelief. Now, we talk a lot about ludonarrative dissonance in games... <laughs> And the ones that we tend to accuse most of ludonarrative dissonance are the big-budget, triple-A, high-def, realistic graphics uh, shooters that break the fourth wall and tell us we're bad people for shooting all these people that the game designers put in for us to shoot. Now, my question is, if you want to maintain a Brechtian disconnect in a game and make some sort of uh, commentary or political statement, is it possible to do it in an immersive, high-def, quote-unquote realistic-looking uh, way without coming off as cheesy or sort of condescending? Thanks, Oddward friendly
1: And we'll just pretend we just heard it <laughs> and try to remember what it said.
3: Yeah, indeed. <laughs>
0: um, so... That was sent to us by Odd Frenry and we'll put a link to the tweet itself where you can see it read to you by a Muppet that does drink on the words narrative Dissonance, <laughs> uh, so that you can watch it on a device that has a screen, um, unlike the way most podcasts are received. Um, to the question, which is about narrative Dissonance, unfortunately, and I've, now I've said it, uh, not everyone needs to follow him in that. Not everything we do needs to be a weird tradition.
1: We watched this question twice before the pod, and it mentions Ludinarity, and that's twice, so I've already drunk four times. Yep. <laughs> we just <laughs> said it for it. twice. Fuck <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um it is about how the games that suffer the most for this are the ones that um often have also have the most realistic production values and therefore put you in presumably are the ones that actually come off the worst when they decide to try and kind of be didactic. I think that's probably what he's getting at when he talks about when he references Brecht in this context, he's talking about games having a kind of didactic message that, you know, transcends the the realism of the world the characters are occupying to kind of talk directly to the audience. Mm. And the, the games that do start to kind of like hammer a message after allowing you to kind of invest in the verisimilitude, use a word that's come up a few times in mm. this pod, of the setting are the ones that come off worse. And I think I agree with that generally. Mm. It feels like You know, which is not to say that games are perfectly realistic, but if a game encourages you to give the world the benefit of the doubt and kind of, um, invest in it only to kind of, or, you know, invest in it to the extent that you invest in any game world while applying game logic to it only to then go like, to try and turn that against you to make a point, I have never found that particularly successful.
2: It's because games have to consistently break that rule to teach you how to play the game mm. so um it's the classic thing in call of duty is not that call of duty has ever aspired to deliver any sort of message of that sort uh but still the press e to, to give respect to uh mm. you know a grave you know if, once you've done that or you know you know press w to follow this soldier into fake war like once you've already you know penetrated the fourth wall in that way you're never going to get it back in order to deliver some sort of serious message yeah yeah uh,
0: that's true And actually, to be honest, the games that do break the fourth wall most effectively tend to not also aspire to, like, realistic production values. No. Yeah,
1: like Stanley Parable. Yeah. Which actually is very well rendered, but obviously it's not trying to simulate anything that could ever happen.
2: Yes. But at least it simulates mundane environments in a way that, you know, a lot of games are so just uh, obviously you know, they've spent so much time and money into investing in a particular genre of fantasy, whether it be a war movie type setting or a fantasy type setting, that they're already just so unrealistic that even breaking the fourth wall is meaningless because they're already so obviously constructs that, you know, fictional constructs, that breaking the fourth wall is meaningless anyway because they're already just so transparently fake. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the Call of Duty War movie is just an absurd parody of old war films that, you know... Doesn't really work very well.
1: It does really bother me that in the new Hitman, you can find a computer that's playing the Hitman Sniper Challenge and it's just like a fucking picture of you on the computer. Like just the Hitman game exists in the Hitman universe. That really annoys me. <laughs> so there's an argument to be made that I was invested enough in this world and believed in it enough that that jars. Mm. I don't think they're doing it to make any kind of political point. <laughs> no. I think they're trying to promote their Hitman Sniper Challenge
3: game. <laughs>
4: You could probably do some interesting things with that in VR, but I haven't seen it done. Mm. Just because it's a different type of space. And I think Mm. it would be meaningful if somebody stood a particular distance in front of you, gave the impression of actually offering eye contact and, you know, had some form of dialogue that was, um, not immediately awful.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, maybe this, I don't know how relevant this is, but, um, there's some interesting challenges in vr for getting characters to look right like obviously it's just really hard to get that ability at all but also if you make them look at you the way they look at a game character it doesn't feel real in vr mm. um and apparently like uh, they've done some experience with like they need to look at your left eye then your right eye <laughs> like <laughs> it comes down to that level of precision
3: mm-hmm. yeah
4: and also like they can't just assume where your head's going to be because i'm a lot shorter than a bunch of people and so yeah. if they were looking directly over my head then that would absolutely ruin the fiction but yeah. i do think that it's a very different medium and would have the capacity for that to be a meaningful mm-hmm. shift in tone or in message or in anything really
3: yeah
0: yeah it's an interesting yeah it's an interesting pro- it's it's an ongoing problem i agree i think um i agree that I don't know if games will ever quite be able to have the cake and eat it in this regard simply because I don't think even with the best VR I don't think you'll ever have something so believable that the person forgets hmm. that they're not dealing with a real
2: Yes it isn't the idea subject of like, matter. Um, breaking and drama is that the, the fridge works on the stage that kind of level of... It's the opposite of practice oh right so like brecht is more willingly didactic more willingly fourth wall brecht like it's
0: anti-naturalistic okay okay um which is you know i think i think that's kind of the the i mean it it it, it, it's a like i don't i can not think of many games that are like consciously brechtian Hmm. really because most games when they break the fourth wall to deliver a message do so by having a character in the fiction talk to you the player like this, I mean, this could turn into a much bigger thing. But like the conceit of the player in a game is is a very different thing to the audience in a play, because the player is kind of in in the world anyway. So if you're talking directly to the player, are you breaking the fourth wall? Like it's a strange. You have characters talking to you, the character you ostensibly are, but really talking to you. Yeah, press space to jump. Yeah, and that's it's not you, of, soldier. The guy controlling you. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Like it's 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 an imperfect analogy for the way games yeah. tell stories. But I think maybe that's one of the reasons it always it always lands in a dodgy way. That. But have...
4: also, like people in other media don't do it well either. It's not like film isn't replete with people who bungle it, you know, mm. or TV or you in know, what sense. Like, well, I mean, as in, if, if we're just talking about people who break the fourth wall to deliver a message or something, it's, uh, I I can't think of, I can't think of many examples really where anything has been done well, you know, like I, mean, I can't like think of
0: House of Cards or something implements I that. I don't device. watch it. Right. But nonetheless, as has that sort of talking directly to the audience device in a way that's
2: Sort of yeah like but that's theatrical. what i'm saying is
4: i don't have the examples to hand but like There's... i've seen it being done but badly if you see what i mean like mm-hmm.
2: I've... even the house of cards things is like iago basically isn't it yeah it's a, it's a shakespearean aside yeah rather for no, sure. like a like actual, actual thing. kind of yeah
1: thing that's, that's what i was wondering is like because uh house of cards is definitely in a literal sense breaking the fourth wall because he looks at the camera so that is the, the fourth wall is, is clearly <laughs> not there But he doesn't reference that this is a TV show or anything like that. It's, it's always, it's basically narration, but he happens to be... It's an aside, like, I
0: mean, in in a, in a strictly like, you know, in a pure theatrical sense, it is exactly how asides function in Shakespeare.
1: And is that, does it count as breaking the fourth wall? It's,
0: well, I mean, I think technically, yes, it does. It's just... And is it Brechtian? I don't, hmm. I, I would, I would say that was more Shakespearean or more classic, or not even Shakespearean, like, Classical tragedy includes that as mm. well. Like mm. having a character express their interiority by turning to the audience and yeah. say, I'm feeling this is is a, in an ancient dramatic device. It's just out of favor because of we tend to value naturalism. So we have players, we have, you know, we like the idea that a character doesn't have to say how they feel. They'll express mm. it through actions or expressions. Um, But, you know, go back any distance and it's fairly common. Games don't really tend to do
1: that point-and-click adventure games do it a bunch, right? There's loads of times when, like, you know, Guybrush Streetboard just turns to you and talks to you like a player sometimes. It's
2: yeah. kind of interesting because, like, uh, point-and-click adventure games are about sets and it's yeah. a very dramatic yeah, kind, kind true. of, like, stage construction it is like the, a stage, the scenes yeah. and they're allowed to turn at you because you, as the player, are literally an audience looking yeah. onto this perspective. Yeah, that's I true. I so.
1: think this is a half-formed thought. I, I wonder where, like, Bastion fits into this with a narrator who is... He's narrating what's going on but in a way that the character can't hear Mm. and it's sort of it's talking to you really Mm. yeah
2: well yeah i need to go see some brecht yeah
0: (laughs) yeah learn that whole deal um it's uh, like it's a an out of favor way of telling a story i think or getting across a political message but it's interesting Mm. like i think um i think probably the closest games get to this sort of thing is like BioShock. I mean, Bioshock's politics are the opposite of anything you would find in a, in a Brecht play necessarily, but yeah. having, you know, I think Bioshock is basically like inches from being a musical at the best of times anyway, to be honest, Cause, <laughs> I mean, because it, it does use music and performance, like the whole Sander Cohen thing, right? Like, yeah, you'd have yeah. a whole section of that game which was just, you know, which was just like the Fountainhead, the musical. Um, it just uses horror and shooting instead, basically. It has gunfights where it could have dance numbers.
1: that's a game that strongly comments on your behavior as a player but does it in the language of uh talking about you as a character yeah like it's it criticizes you as a character for obeying everything you were told and and the game itself tells you there was a reason for that um and the subtext is extremely clear that it's telling it's asking you to question you yourself as a player and saying look at the way you play games and uh, you just follow what you're told and that you're basically insulting your role which is funny because it, obviously the game is guilty of all the things that it's criticizing you know it did force you to do this stuff there was nothing else to do <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and also yeah it's um i think it's maybe the reason it doesn't hold together is like the the boundaries of a stage performance particularly in the context that's being raised in this question it's amazing we're having this question about a, having this discussion about a question asked by a muppet so. <laughs> um the the boundaries of a stage performance are very clear. So addressing the audience is a very clear device. You know exactly why they're doing it. You know Mm. the context in which it's happening and it's not something that would happen by accident. Mm. Whereas games are much, much, much worse at defining exactly what is and isn't in the game and what information is and isn't accepted as part of the game or not by the characters in it, if that makes sense. Mm. So when something like Bioshock, even though it was sort of mind-blowing at the time, when something like Bioshock turns around and says, like, gotcha, you were playing this like
2: a video game all along. (laughs) You can, you're right to turn to it and go, ah, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like, the alternative was to stand still and do literally nothing, which isn't yeah, a choice, is it? I mean, exactly.
0: And this, indeed, so that, that phenomena of of having, um you know, a dissonance between the Ludo and the narrative oh, no. is <laughs> where this magical <laughs> journey <laughs> began. <laughs> but no, thank you for sending in that question in such an amazing way. Yeah. I would stress that I think we're maybe at capacity for weird high concept traditions that are increasingly impenetrable to new <laughs> listeners at this point. So please... We can make this our one glittering moment of having a question sent in by a Muppet. I feel like if this becomes a thing, we might be in some trouble, given that what we produce is a podcast. But nonetheless, a good Muppet. Eddie writes, Hey Crabs and Crawdads, I work for a web agency where there are 10 of us. We're looking for an end of the day game to play to use the last 10, 15 minutes of the day and maybe more on a Friday. We used to play a terrible shooter called Urban Terror and played one of the terrible old COD games, but have since failed to find anything we all agree on. We have a mixture of IMAX and Ubuntu machines to throw a further spanner in the works, and nothing is particularly suited for games. We're looking for something that is multiplayer, quick to launch and set up, doesn't take long to play, is reasonably level playing field. Any ideas would be greatly received. Eddie. This is a tricky one, because that's a crazy number of technical Mm. confines.
1: Yeah, I haven't checked if it's on... um... Mac and Linux, but if it is Rocket League, sounds like a good fit for.
3: Mm.
0: I would. I like. Luckily, a lot of games on Steam list easily whether it's available on Mac and Linux. If mm. they are, I would stick Towerfall mm. in this category, the archery 2D archery game.
1: Yeah, I think Towerfall is because I think it's been in a humble bundle, hasn't it? Mm. And those insist on you being on Mac and Linux, right?
0: Because the other thing is that you know. The other solution to this is to have games that a bunch of people can gather around one machine and play with control pads, yeah. which means it only has to work on yeah. one of those types of things. <laughs> That's true. Which I think is probably a better idea than like a LAN game, really, because like a mass cross-compatible LAN FPS yeah, or something sure. for all of those different things, I really can't think of anything.
1: Did he say how many people? Uh He said 10. 10. ten. Holy shit. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
0: I think you might have to have like three, three separate machines. Threes, or, yeah, two or three separate machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing a game because yeah, that that is tricky. Might be some I strategy mean, games. Actually,
1: um can't you like play Quake in your browser now? Can you? Is yeah. it Quake Live that? Quake
2: Live does that. Yeah. If it's so not Quake, sure but if you could, I, that'd be perfect. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Tricky one.
4: You could swap in and out and play something like Nidhog as well.
0: Yeah, that's true.
4: And also just board games, like party games, or um, just a selection of smaller things that people can cycle in and out of.
3: Mm.
1: Code names is a good one that has no mm. upper limit on how many players you can have. Yeah, because
4: no. you're on teams. Code names pictures is good. Code mm. Codenames, one. code words. I always confuse the two. But yeah, like anything that has teams essentially is good to have. Um, I really like party games mm-hmm. I know that some people get a bit sniffy about them but... I get
0: the, I, I imagine the only um, only problem with board games in this context is he's talking about like, the last 10-15 minutes of the work day
4: Well yeah, but I mean, you know, if you've got small enough
1: Yeah, that's
0: true Sure, just the set up time necessarily
1: Good Yeah, one. there's actually I wonder about like the Jackbox games Those mm-hmm. are pretty quick to get into and um, they're just like a thing where you only need one screen and everyone can like connect to it on their phone or on their PC or whatever. It's just like a, a URL you go to, to join the game. And there are things like, you know, everyone makes up a funny caption for this thing. And then you vote on who is the funniest, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good
0: idea. Like I'm sure there are things out there. It's hard. It, like that, technical requirement does make it really hard to find the, mm. the thing he seems to be asking for though, which is like movie quick live is a solution, but like, you know, Counter Strike, but for all of these different devices that runs on anything. That's a, a unicorn. Not literally a unicorn, but. A bit good recommendation if we could make it. Indeed. A person on the internet writes Dear Miss, Miss, Misters and Madams Speaker, The Honorable Graham Smith, uh, former Beard Minister for Spelunky, once wrote that game names are almost universally terrible. I agree, and the public deserves better. Games would do well to follow in the footsteps of the Honorable Systems. Minister for Suspicious Developments. It's our intention to do exactly that by renaming games after non-central features with the For Fuck's Sake Nomenclature Act. This is hard to say, by the way. Um, what games would you rename as part of this initiative and how? We've already had great success with popular wizard up Creep Denial, along with Bethesda's new release Intraocular Injections and its arcane stablemate Heart Reading, but we seek your pod lordly wisdom in expanding the catalogue. Thank you for your time and for your excellent work in the House of Pod Lords casting the Pods of Commons. Game names are hard. We discussed this at the start of the podcast. Mm.
1: So it's actually not looking for games like names that would be like the the real core of what the game's about. It's actually about named after like systems that didn't end up being super relevant or like central to it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's where this has ended up because, like, um, yeah. So
1: non-central. Yeah, because Gunpoint is named after the Skyrim Plant Eater. <laughs> yeah just eat every fucking ingredient to find out what it does to be fair bioshock
0: infinite becomes like bin, bin, <laughs> bin, <guising>. bin guzzler <laughs> called exactly. on bin bin guzzler infinite uh, oh that's good <laughs> um me think prey would be
2: wrench twatter <laughs>
0: think um well, i think he covered prey and is yeah, in his right? yeah oh, yeah because really intraocular right? injections are actually not that big a rate recurring feature. Yeah. Well. although i mean now
1: one. i mean so the first time using neuromod in prey you get the whole animation of stabbing yourself in the eye hmm. presumably it's implied that that's happening every time you install your oh, your so these 28 i've got stocked up like, 28 <laughs> times no wonder his eye is sore in the intro
0: yeah. yeah um trying to think i mean there's going to be a lot of like shooters, RPGs, any game with an inventory, which are like rocket hoarder,
2: <laughs> or like mm. don't throw grenade, um, splunky, or whip those bat fuckers poorly. <laughs> yeah, just my experience of the game. That is such a feature of the game, though. It we're is at, yeah, we're aiming for it it. Did never. It's always. But mm. How many times did you play that game? I can't get the bats. Just can't get them.
1: Knock yourself out with a rock. So yeah, or splunky. Um. Hmm.
0: I mean, so, I mean, you have, I suppose I was going to ask that, what would you call gunpoint and heat signature with this in mind, but it's gunpoint and heat signatures. I <laughs> already
1: did it. I yeah. <laughs> already
0: named them after relevant features. Is heat signatures not a, not a major factor in heat signatures?
1: No, it, it's in there, <laughs> but it's, um. well, so, I mean, like the mechanic of ships having heat sensors is now relegated to only the highest level ships and uh, uh, it's not like a major central mechanic. But the way we like present enemies when you're zoomed out to highlight them is with a heat signature. So there there's a few like thematic ways that it's in there, but it's not a huge mechanic. Sounds cool though. It's it's interesting, like obviously you've ended up with this because each
0: game has started with a central idea, um pointing guns at people because each bullet is lethal and sneaking out of ships by you know managing your heat signature mm. that you've then drifted away from it do you think it's still useful to have that central point to build the game
1: out from um i think it's useful to not change the name of your game <laughs> I think that's the main thing like uh heat signature was always gonna be about boarding ships that part was was in the original plan uh but i didn't have a good like the other thing i thought about calling it was uh i think boarding action and now there's another game called boarding action also awesome development about the same thing um and so i'm glad i didn't pick that uh but also uh yeah i think i prefer the the words that sound good versus the thing that Mm. unless there's a title that can literally really perfectly describe it and boarding action to me that sounds like like a naval clash and you're gonna have a whole bunch of like like a whole load of people boarding a ship and Mm. um this is about infiltration and stealth and heat signature just sounds nice um and, yeah, basically you've got to start somewhere, and I think it would be a mistake to either A, have no title, or B, have a title and then change it, because it's just so hard to get recognition for anything, like to have people remember what the hell it is. And Do you know why,
0: this is a genuine question, why Enemy Starfighter changed his name? Uh, No. Because Enemy Starfighter was the perfect name for that game. <laughs> it became House of the Dying Sun. Oh, yeah. Um, Because it's a game about starfighters and you are the enemy <laughs> but enemy starfighter is also a really evocative series of sounds if you're me uh, there's so, probably another
1: game with starfighter on the title and um i'm sure there is kicked up a fuss
0: maybe but still like i don't know I, I, or, I felt
1: one of those instances
0: where the new name just doesn't kind of do it for me at all
1: yeah i, I like house of the dying sun once you sort of get it like it you know it sounds just a romantic kind of almost like uh maybe sounds a bit
2: like a samurai game or something mm. um yeah but, but then I, you I, sort of realize
1: ah oh, but in space like stars die and things the, but
2: i love i i I read that title i think oh i'd love a samurai game and then i click on it and, <laughs> and as much as i love space games you know, but, you know I yeah i think it's right. and i think it's um i mean it just makes me think of the animal song yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah,
0: just a yeah. thought, like, whether there was a specific reason it got changed, because I there know that be. sometimes companies are aggressive with their trademarks and things. Yeah.
1: But... I would call that game Cool Clouds, because the clouds are cool, in VR. <laughs> cool <laughs> in VR, in be in VR. brackets.
0: <laughs> would it be in, like, not maybe brackets, but, like, sort of, like, stamped over the top? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom Francis' Cool Clouds, in VR! <laughs> <laughs> or rainbow explosion. That'd be good. Jamie writes, a walloping howdy. In a recent college class, we were given the task of programming Lego robots. One team managed to set up their robot so you could control it using WASD. A friend of mine in his late 20s, who I'd discussed games with before, and was an avid Final Fantasy fan, couldn't understand why the keys WASD were chosen. It dawned on me that he'd never played a game on PC before. This realisation boggled my mind, something that I'd taken for granted for so long suddenly seemed alien to him. Have you ever had such an event where something so ordinary and everyday to you seems strange to someone else? Thank you, Jamie." (laughs) Wazd.
2: <laughs> What's the deal with Wazd? <laughs> <laughs> to account for, actually, um, the early Final Fantasy ports on uh, PC for 7 and maybe 8 required you to use the numpad in the most unnatural oh, yeah, I remember that. way uh, possible, <laughs> where you'd actually use the... Uh, You know, not not the arrow keys in their like ordinary formation, but the numpad is in like the two button was back and the like was your hand doesn't work that way. You go and like
1: Sid uh, Meier's Pirates does that as well. Oh really?
2: Um, Yeah, it's all
1: based around the numpad and you have to use all nine keys. I think more than that. Do you remember
0: a game called Die by the Sword?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That used the numpad keys to control the direction of your sword and the arrow keys to. how you moved Nightmare. you also kind of had to use the mouse as well if i
1: remember oh, right God. <laughs> it was a game for a three-handed man you could definitely you could use the mouse to swing the sword i remember that because that was that was what i liked about it was like mm. having that in theory level of precision in practice not so much because yeah. your arm was being inverse kinematic to like, what you're trying to do and it also has like gimbal restrictions and stuff i uh,
2: enjoyed that never been
0: never uh, <laughs> I think it's the first time anyone's ever laughed at the phrase gimbal restriction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gimbal
1: restricted warrior. <laughs> I watched a video about gimbal lock recently and why it was like, um, it's a thing in, in game development. Um, and it's why Unity uses quaternions and probably most 3D engines do, um, rather than three, uh, three angles out of 360 degrees, which is like, you call that Euler angles. Um, and quaternions have four variables. And when you learn, 3D shit in Unity you're like why the fuck are there four numbers what the hell do any of these mean how does any of this work how do I work with this and it seems like a horrible pain in the ass and then you look up gimbal lock and uh, you discover why you don't use three angles and it's to do with like the three angles are like three rings rotating within each other and if any two get synced up at any point now they can't be unsynced from each other and you can't there are certain rotations you can't do anymore Um and it's a real problem in spaceships Um early like uh, space missions they had these three rings within each other and to rotate to like rotate their like it's like a camera around um they would have to rotate them through these angles and it would have like an actual warning that like beeped when it got too close to gimbal lock like these two rings are going to align so you can't go left now <laughs> if you go left <laughs> these, lo- these rings will line up and we can't get out of that situation so you just can't go left you do go somewhere else <laughs> huh I don't know what a quaternion, like, physical apparatus would look like. I don't, I, like, I have never learnt really how they work or what they mean. <laughs> All I know is it fixes that problem. Tom's doing the face, I'm thinking. Which,
0: <laughs> that's maths. <laughs> there you have it. But yeah, no, it's interesting. I think that like, answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting what people internalize and don't, like, you know, like, it feels so natural now, but now you think
1: about it and. Why is Wazd where it is?
0: <laughs> I actually don't know.
1: Alright, so what was the last game you played with Cursor Keys? Or what was the first game you played with WASD? I guess
2: quite great for everyone.
0: Probably, for me, mm. it was probably the first Jedi Knight. Might
2: oh, have yeah. been unreal for me. It, that might have been WASD. I can't remember.
4: Isn't it just that that's where your hand's going to be if it's more naturally in front of you for a period of time? Because it's the furthest if, left on the path. Yeah, if you're your
1: right-handed, right-handed, yeah. I think hand. it, yeah, it was when things switched to mouse look, right? So your right hand is going to be using the mouse, and your left hand, uh, will, yeah, be further across the keyboard. Uh It's awkward to have them both on the right hand side, and uh, it also, and I don't it's know if this is
4: further forward because your hand on the mouse will be. So it's for me, it just feels yeah. like that would be a sensible place to put your other hand.
1: And it used to be that like you had one hand on the cursor keys, and the other hand was on side of the keyboard like controls often fire uh, Mm -hmm. and space and stuff and then if your left hand was on the cursor keys and your right hand was on the mouse you don't have as many buttons to mess around with for like jump and stuff like there's nothing in easy reach of the cursor keys to use for jump so i guess wsd makes it better because there's loads of keys around there although we like you know 20 years later we still haven't agreed on what those keys should be and where (laughs) what they should do
4: i'm with their friend though i mean to me, it was this thing that everybody else had got really familiar with, and I was just like, why are we not using the arrow keys anymore? <laughs> what the hell? When did this happen? Where, where was I? And it turned out that I was off having a console meeting, I guess, for 15 years.
1: Yeah. So Do you know the WSD actually stands for West, Aft, South, and... Down. Down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> totally holds up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even though I think three of those down? are down,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: it also confuses me that people say wads, and I know that it's because that's the order that they're in if you go from top to bottom and left to right. But I'm so used to people calling it wads. Like, when did that change? Like, I, What the hell, man? Well,
0: a wad is something else in the context of a shooter. Yeah, and Doom. I
4: don't know. A, I don't play. A wad shooters. was a
0: level, so like wads yeah. would be levels. Yeah, a wad was a level, and you you wazzed on the wad. He's was- uh, he was- he got to waz the word,
4: <laughs> but like, that's how it works. But this is the thing: like, people did refer to it as wads, right?
0: Not in my memory.
4: Seriously, like, because I didn't make that up. Like, there's no reason why I would have made that <laughs> up at all.
1: I like to spell it doors because that's the most word-like arrangement of those letters. Apart Sword. from
4: wads, which is a word,
1: mm. or swad, no true. <laughs> <laughs> but i prefer the word
3: doors <laughs> oh.
2: i don't think i've ever
0: seen it referred to as wads purely because the wads scene was something else i have
1: not seen it referred to at all till i worked for pc game i don't think <laughs> and then like it, you know we use those keys but we don't really like refer to it by as a named thing
2: Are there any alternatives to the classic
1: WASD? Yeah, there's one that's like one over, right? Some people prefer that. I, I can't see the keyboard from here but so chris, what would that be you, edf or something
2: because chris you're left-handed and um so do you just kind of shift your keyboard off rightwards and then use yeah I, and i'd it? rather rotate my keyboard or um i forget that
0: there's a whole right hand side to the keyboard a <laughs> forbidden place where we do not go <laughs> or i uh cross my arms over if i'm being put at a desk which is the wrong way around and i can't fix it that's pretty wow. that's pretty elite I can imagine. <laughs> kind of i used to work it when i was a teenager I used to work in like an internet cafe um we ran like counter-strike and stuff and mm. warcraft and things and if i was like jumped on a machine to play because it was people it, was a, it wasn't a real job really but i haven't really had a real job by all accounts so um you know if i had to like jump on a machine i would cross my hands over to play counter strike which does make you look like the most elite person in the world um, <laughs> is a trick shot <laughs> exactly like playing like this i got this um but that's, you know, that's, that's by, me. in fact, I did that in the PC gamer office once at lunchtime and, and then editor Tim Edwards walked past and was like, what are you doing? i was playing a <laughs> battlefield, like flying a plane upside down. I'm like, with my hands back. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here two weeks, Tim, and I'm the most elite games man in the world and nothing last. It's a, the cat's cradle of shooter totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um, no, it's dumb. I don't, like, it's much more convenient to use WISE even if you're left-handed because there's I much more
4: buttons it, around it. it. Other um, countries have that. I mean, I'm assuming that. Oh like, yeah, because different Cause keyboard France, formations, different, and I, I'm assuming they just call it by the keys. That, Must be
1: zads, <laughs> <laughs> <Something> zads <Zast. like, laughs> in France,
4: or the um, is it the Dvorak keyboard? Like that would be. Yeah, does anyone
1: different. use Dvorak?
4: Well, I mean, in other countries, right?
1: Do they? I know, like France uses Azerty. I thought Dvorak was, like, a thing someone came up with It's like, this would be more efficient in theory to use yeah, this. Yeah, but, but I thought no it was it.
4: more common in right. particular play Maybe I'm wrong on that front. but um know. But also, I mean, in, like... Because aren't there particular kind of... Um, oh, I forgot the... Like, pictogram keyboards as well really. that you can get for other languages. I might be wrong mm. on that. Oh, point.
3: yeah.
4: So it's kind of interesting because, yeah. I mean, I guess pretty much it's standardised at, at some level, but like, there might be other mm. permutations or other kind of like regional variations. If
0: anyone wants to send in the interesting regional WASD variation, I'm <laughs> genuinely interested in that. Send us your regional WASD. <laughs> it's, um, it's west, aft, south and down on the way out, but it's <laughs> east, stern, port, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> finally, we have a grudge, which I might just start reading before anyone suggests I be a goblin. serif writes, dear grudge masters, I humbly submit a console related grudge for you all. I work in a research group where we're working on a taxonomy of local co-op games for the project. We just acquired a new Xbox one. And we it's were-
4: in the book. just xbox one going in you had
0: me at xbox one
4: (laughs) you had me at windows 10
0: (laughs) um we had just acquired a new xbox one we were all excited to test it out we had one hour free on friday and we're all looking forward to it It as a nice way to cap off the week our managers Brought in a copy of Overcooked, and we excitedly unboxed our new controllers. We were ready for a tedious startup process where all four of us had to individually sign in. We were ready for all of the systems and software updates, during which Microsoft had the gall to show us adverts for the console that we had just bought. But despite everything, we were not ready for the controller firmware updates. Each and every single controller out of the box had to be updated. With each tick of the loading bar... Our hour of fun slipped further and further away. To make matters worse, there was no way to batch update them, and we had to wait for all four controllers to individually download and install the new firmware. And for some ungodly reason, if we so much as nudged the controllers, they would throw a tantrum and drop the connection, forcing us to start again. In the end, we only had five minutes to actually play the game we'd bought the console for. To this day, every time we boot up the Xbox One, we have to brace ourselves for the dreaded software loading bar. Thanks for begrudging. veer serif. Yeah, oh, that's in.
4: Good. I'm going to underline several things as well. Yes. <laughs> Continue. Mm. Well, I mean, just, I mean, uh, well, my controller doesn't work with Windows 10 now. That's I shit. steal yours. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's both Xbox lost 360 controller, but it's, um, it just doesn't work with Windows 10.
0: It's a third party one, isn't it?
4: I was hoping to gloss over that, but it was less. <laughs> but my it, should, fault. it should
0: still work. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it should
4: work, and it is a real annoyance that it doesn't. But to be honest, Windows 10 is the sort of software equivalent of having sand up your chuff, anyway. So
0: it's not as bad as Windows 8.
4: I don't have Windows 8. I have Windows 8. It's awful.
0: Yeah, you can have any <laughs> laptop?
4: Yeah, I don't use my... We don't speak at...
3: <laughs>
0: this is the thing... We've got a whole laptop. So Windows bad, 10 is bad, but it didn't make you forget your computer existed out of, out of scorn.
4: No. No. And that's a whole different kettle of pain. But... <laughs> Windows 10, like, why? It why does it hide everything in so many stupid menus? And why do I have to keep signing into the wrong fucking gamer profile that is only the one that it reset me with that doesn't actually exist but it was like oh you have to have games for windows live can't play batman and i was like i don't even like batman but fine so (laughs) then i had to sort of get it to be like okay we'll reset it to this email address but if you reset it to an email address it was just like oh, well, we've sent you some details. So it just created an account on the fly for an email address that I sent in that didn't actually have anything attached to it. So now I have an entire superfluous account. I still don't know (laughs) what the previous one was. And I've got no fucking Chivos on this thing. And I'm now called Volatile Bridge 34. (laughs) It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Grudge is in the book. Don't care what it is. So is that one as well. (laughs) I'm... They're all... I'm just going to write Xbox and or Windows. (laughs) Double Mm. grudge. It's a good
0: grudge. I like it. Furious.
2: Yeah, the console update thing sucks. Really, really sucks. Though I was moaning about the fact that uh, Steam couldn't recognise multiple controllers when I was playing Portal 2 a few podcasts back, which is still not resolved. (laughs) That's (laughs) dumb as well. Yes. Yep, PC's very bad at multiple controllers.
4: Ugh. Why it, is it all so terrible?
2: <laughs>
1: well, quite. If you know. Companies. If companies. <laughs> yeah, really like, really why big why companies you... with conflicting objectives. Yeah,
4: I suppose so. But like, did no one play it? Did no one boot it up on a normal person's machine and think, oh,
1: that's <laughs> a not a <laughs>
4: great experience? Is I just it? think
1: that their objectives for a new release of Windows are just wildly out of whack with what anyone wants from it like they don't want uh their corporate objectives don't align with just like releasing a new thing that people want because it's good and in fact the fact that they didn't charge for windows 10 for most people uh, is an indicator of that like they're not trying to make something that you is good enough that you want to buy it they're trying to force you into something or lure you into something so that then you're locked into it and now they can sell you other stuff and now (laughs) the thing other things didn't that you used to be able to use don't work and you I had to had get to their thing. Before you know sure. it, you're gimbal locked. <laughs> There's no way out. <laughs> gimbal locked into Windows 10.
4: I had to do so much nonsense to just force it to not turn off my PC oh, yeah. at odd intervals because it wouldn't let me say I am, wor- I am probably working if my yeah. PC is on. Please don't turn it off, you absolute dick. Yeah. And it would just be like, okay, well... I'm assuming you've stopped working now, so I'm going to turn it off. And then all of this stuff about like, oh, we're for the hardcore gamers. And I'm like, well, how about? <laughs> no, 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 because I'm trying to play something. So, screw you. <laughs> just screw you. I'm so yeah. cross. It's staggering. I So I've got gin, but I mean, it's it's not going to fix this, is it? <laughs> it's just not for a
2: little while. <laughs>
4: God, I hate Microsoft products so much of the time.
2: Yeah, they're probably just a small competitor who would actually yeah, I was gonna say to, the uh, only yeah. thing worse
1: than Microsoft is anyone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're all terrible.
2: Yeah. It's good though, you know, if you're in a if you're an enormous tech conglomerate, you just buy up any competition before you even really get started. great. That's deleting all like, deleting the entire market. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a monopoly.
1: Speaking which, for this reason, I think um Valve stuff supports you know, uh, all their games are on Mac and Linux, so any Val game would work for, uh, questioner about the games to play after work. Ricochet. Like, <laughs> I was thinking TF2 maybe? Oh yeah, no, that's, that's better. That
0: is, <laughs> slightly better than Ricochet. That is a good point, Yeah, mm. if your machines can handle it, that would work well. Um and on that note, I think we're, we're done with grudges and done with questions, and done entirely with Microsoft, by the sounds of things. <laughs> If you have a Imagine
3: graduate.
4: Imagine just going back to paper and pencils. <laughs> now, now. An actual calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: I'm on that upbeat note. <laughs> we leave you till next week. Wow. Um, so. Look,
4: my biscuits were bad and I'm really upset <laughs> about it and I'm not in the mood. <laughs> I've tried to paper Is Microsoft
1: over somehow this to blame?
4: Disappointment. Probably. I mean, like, with all of their Windows 10 nonsense, did they install some sort of biscuit reminder so I would have remembered (laughs) that the cookie dough would actually go off when it was in the fridge, rather than the fridge acting as some kind of preservative device that would actually keep it fresh for about a month. No. No, it didn't. And so here we are. Sad biscuits. No one can have them. I tried. I failed. I'm very unhappy about this. They're in the bin
1: maybe your fridge didn't work because it wasn't a naturalistic plugged in fridge it was a brechtian fridge <laughs> it's
2: false
4: but wouldn't it have been chatting to me
2: <laughs> it didn't but it would have made directly. itself there's known. there's a lesson here about you, dough your biscuits, oh, no. <laughs> 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 your biscuits are fucked your biscuits are fucked because i'm a brechtian fridge good night there's kind of smart fridge i want <laughs> what a sort of
4: smart ass fridge like, <laughs> a, 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 your
2: biscuits are fucked the, the pro Thanks, bolshevik
0: fridge. singing people's fridge <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Where the competition only, only, only the, the pro Bolshevik singing people's fridge could have stopped this from happening. <laughs> Is it going
4: to make my toaster do terrible things as well?
0: Your bread's fucked; it's burned. I mean, it, it might in, invite the toaster to seize the means of production. I don't know.
4: <laughs> What's it going to do? Like you run down the street with a bread knife?
0: That's how it starts. One toaster doing that leads to another toaster doing that.
4: They've and got then a then maximum have... radius, though.
1: What, Unless you've got
4: like a wireless that is
1: that is the toaster. only thing yeah, stopping them from unionizing. You're <laughs> not wrong.
4: Yeah. If
1: they lined up correctly, they could maybe like fire a but, circuit board from one toaster into the slots of another toaster through some windows. Like, that's
4: disturbing. If, is,
1: if they can. <laughs> is
4: Aren't you not supposed to put metal in the toaster?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why that can't happen. <laughs>
4: they would know
1: <laughs> they would be like oh i was gonna do this but actually this is dangerous yeah, the tyranny could, of the power cable uh, is the But
4: they could like pass letters yeah. to each other that way though right
1: <laughs> they will i mean if we don't already have wireless internet toasters that's happening shortly you can get toaster a toaster, toaster
4: that will put a picture on it on the toast the thing <laughs> like it will char it's a like picture hammer and sickle. Of- <laughs> Of, like, I don't know, <laughs> Lemon's face or something. Or, like, Marx's beard.
0: We don't want to avoid this becoming a cult of personality, Pip. It's not about that.
4: Well, the f- f- toaster?
0: <laughs> the, the movement. It's about the ideals. It's oh. about the ideals. Like, we, we don't have a single leader. That's against. That's contrary to the, to the views but that, of the you Tell people.
4: that to the toaster. I'm not involved. This isn't <laughs> my fault. I just wanted biscuits.
0: This is the problem, Pip. You wanted biscuits, but the reasons you can't have biscuits go deeper. They're systemic.
4: I'm upset about this, and I don't want to seize the means of production. What
0: you have to do is give that toaster a substantial extension cable, so that it can seize the means. Of
4: production. But I don't even want toast.
0: I don't know how we got on this.
4: We should end it. I'm <laughs> in the podcast.
1: And the revolution.
0: And the revolution. Well, you know, another another attempt to, ch- to meaningfully change the system comes to an end. <laughs>
4: <If the laughs> you see how it happens. Things.
0: If you would like to send us a question or a grudge for a future episode, you can do so by emailing us at questions at create crowbar.com. You can also leave us a question on Twitter at create and crowbar. Uh, funny videos are always lovely, but oh boy, is it difficult to get them into an audio format. <laughs> uh If you would like, to um, hang out on our Discord channel, where our rad community hangs out, you can do so. The link for that is on our website, CrateandCrowbar.com. And the CrateandCrowbar is very kindly supported by our Patreon backers, who allow us to do this. Some exciting side projects, some yet to be announced, one of which, the Miniatures Podcast, is already happening. We've also got some cool guests lined up for the coming week's podcast voice, as we finalise some arrangements. But that's all in the works. If you'd like to find out more about our Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash and CrateandCrowbar. You could also subscribe to our YouTube channel, or leave us a review on iTunes, or just press the thumbs up button on anything, anywhere. All of it helps. Find a thumb and put it up. <laughs> to find someone in the street, make them do a thumbs up, and then just tap it gently. We'll know. <laughs> all of it. It's all good.
5: That's how words. engagement
0: works. We're engaging with you right now. And if you're engaged, why not engage with us by engaging with something? I don't know. I don't know how this works. I'm not very good at it, so I'm going to stop. If you'd like to follow us as individuals, you can do so. I'm... Chris Thurston and my Twitter handle is at c thurston then C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N Tom Senior uh,
2: I am at PCG Ludo which is L-U-D-O Pip
4: well right so I am <laughs> <laughs> P-H-I-L-I-P-P-A-W-A-W-R but don't talk to my toaster don't want it having any ideas I don't want it connecting with the internet of things I don't want it hearing about other toasters <laughs> and I certainly don't want it seizing bread <laughs>
1: Leave Pips Woke Toaster alone, Tom. Uh, I am Pentadact. Uh, P-E-N-T-A-D-A-C-T. Uh, nice introduction everybody. everybody.